of two eyes, huh? Do you understand the game a bit? Yeah, have a look. I'm not saying anything to you in particular because I know you're not too accurate with your reporting. That, that's what okay, you're paid so you're for. Saying it. I should resign. So you're saying I should resign. I think that's you should, your opinion. Yeah. Is that right? That's my opinion. Fine. Are you going to resign then? No, of course I'm not going to resign. I simplify things next time. <laughs> in the grand scheme of the universe, what is five minutes late? Okay, guys, let's just settle down here. Geraldo, I want a refund. <laughs> Alex Ferosky, Nick the Late. Lazar 11, no ticker. Guys, come on. In the history of the universe, are we really going to get upset about five come, minutes? Come, 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 come. Come, Relax it there. Latest TNC culture. Exactly run the memes. This is just part of it, you know. This is football heritage. That's right. Uh, hello, TNCers. Hello, Joey Lynch, who joins me on the pod tonight. Joey, how are you? I'm going very well. Uh, it's been my first weekend off i have been working but it's been my first weekend without like games to actually go to for quite a while the npl uh season in victoria ending last week so i haven't known what to do with myself this weekend i had to hang out with my partner it was awful <laughs> Shout out Joe. i love my partner uh how did you did you find that you were having some kind of football detox how did you find that Oh no, because I still had to work. So I've been doing a lot of a uh, lot of reading and writing about football over the past few days. But just not standing at a freezing cold community grounds in you know somewhere like Port Melbourne or Heidelberg or somewhere like that. Yeah, Joey's cheap plugs. Uh, his work to come. Joey, what are we going to talk about on the show today? Because uh, there's a lot. There's a lot to talk about. We've got Australia Cup. We got uh, Socceroos squad and kit announcement mm. um we got some mpl chat i believe the mpl, MPL new South Wales women's final uh was on uh of course uh we've got some things as i look in the rundown uh a league women's fixture has come out we're going to talk about that uh three weeks out from the a league men's how's that going we're going to talk about that um everything that's happened uh in regards to garen qual and, and the, the exciting things that's happening there and the not so exciting things i mean it's uh, exciting it's just a different type of exciting that's right uh rogic to west Brom, uh socceroos well junior junior socceroos are going to be in action and then your questions this is the most important thing your comments your questions um you know everyone's gonna uh edmund our young the queen is dead how soon is it now look here's what i'm gonna say all right we're not going to uh, talk about the Queen being dead because that's for every other media outlet in Australia right now. And we're not wearing black like every other presenter, uh, mainly because I don't have that much black in my wardrobe. Um, but also, <laughs> you know, good, good luck to them. Good luck to them. I wouldn't want to criticize that. Um, Joey, how how is your how has your week been? Oh, well, it's been busy. I was up. Should I get my cheap plugs out of the way now? Yeah, why not? You know, this is when most of the people are listening, so you may as well. Yeah, I was up. Away. I was up in Sydney uh, on Thursday, sitting down for a one-on-one -on -one interview with Football Australia CEO James Johnson. Uh, the contents how of did, which will. Hmm? How did he greet you? Did he seem like he was enthusiastic about about your existence? Uh, he's, you know, James is always happy to see me. I like to yeah. think. I mean, he was wearing a, he was wearing his red power tie. Um, oh, yeah. because he knew he had his interview, but he had Superman socks on Superman oh. logo all over his socks that I noticed. So, um, that and this interview will be in ESPN, right? It will be video form on ESPN. The podcast version will go up on the TNC channels and I'll have three articles coming out based on it. So one, uh, if you want to know what football Australia is doing on the Gustafsson front Monday, 
if you want to know exactly what the hell a chief football officer is and why Ernie Merrick is a disruptor, Tuesday. And if you want to know when we will know the teams that enter into the national second division, Wednesday. Ooh, that's a big one Wednesday. That's a big one Wednesday. Can we get a hint? I just was talking about in the in the entire universe of time, five minutes isn't a lot. You know, in the entire universe of time, where do you think these second division teams are coming in? Well, when will we know them? Yeah. At some point in the future. Hmm. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Uh, is Nick sitting on the other side of the room? Tell me if uh, my uh, audio is no good. Uh, shout out from the Philippines, says Ebb's nice. Garage Mechanic. Shout out from the Philippines. Thank you so much, everyone tuning in. Let us know where you're tuning in from. We'd love to hear it. Look, what we'll talk about, we'll talk about the Australia Cup. Uh, Joey, you were there sideline, I believe. Yeah, um, I was filing on the game for AOP. Neglected to mention the 13-year-old goalkeeper in all of my copy because... Screw that! Why? Why? Why wouldn't you? Uh, why wouldn't you? Because I was doing the match report, and he was thrown on for three minutes at the ends when they were down five-one. Yeah, but it's it's a thirteen-year-old goalkeeper. All right, it's something that we just you know don't. I'll, see, I'll, I'll know? run down like oh, it's it was a gag thing. A good gag. Oakley's well-known uh, uh, cataclysm. That occurred in their goalkeeping ranks, you know, all yeah. the goalkeepers apparently down to the under 14s goalkeeper injured. So they had to bring in Luis Italiano. Terribly unlucky circumstances that, but throwing him on at the ends, it was a gag. But I'd much rather talk about the game itself, to be honest. Okay. MacArthur. I mean, early signs. I'm not sure if you watch the game, Stoll, but early signs, Oakley sort of you know, were giving a bit of something. They were asking questions and took the lead um, through a bit of a wonder strike Amazing. from um, Joe Guest. And you were really got the feeling, oh my God, can we like, mm. would we, will we actually have an all NPL final? This is insane. But then I think the Oakley Cannons, a semi-professional side, they've, been, they've played like 13 games in 60 days, multiple games going to extra time and penalties. They played a game against South Melbourne on the Sunday, becoming champions of Victoria. Um, just all, I think it all just got a bit too much for them. And the fatigue and the wear and tear combines with the class of MacArthur's attackers um, you know, Toure and Ulysses Davia and especially Daniel Arzani. In the end, they started to pepper the goal with a series of free kicks they won and then the damn wall just broke. And once, once MacArthur took the lead, it was always a question of how much, not mm. if the Oakley Cannons could come back. So it's been really, it's been really interesting watching MacArthur make their run to the uh, final of the Australia Cup. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of the talking points about Dwight York going on his um, undefeated run since becoming MacArthur's coach and winning their way through to the final of the Australia Cup. But it's not exactly been a murderer's row that they've had to get past to get there. Um, They've beaten, you know the Wellington Phoenix, the Modbury Jets, Magpies, Crusaders, who I think are now folding and are going to cease to exist as an entity soon. And then the Oakley Cannons. And then to win the thing, they'll have to beat another NPL side in Sydney United. So, I mean, in terms of a confidence booster for all night, Dwight, <laughs> pretty good, pretty good run that he's had to settle into his new gig coaching. Do we, do we think that they've improved 
under Dwight York? Obviously, you know, this is the first time they've made the Australia Cup final. Or is it, are you just saying because we haven't seen them tested against kind of serious opposition? There's not been enough sample size as well. I, th- I think I've seen a few signs now where I think they'll be good going forward. I'm just, mm. just the talent is there yeah. that they'll be good going forward. And it's interesting. I mean, Craig Noon was there in Oakley on, you know, during the week, just doing some fitness stuff and warming up. It's going to be, how do they fit these players in? You know, mm. I, d- I doubt Dwight York's going to move to play Craig Noon as a wing back. So how do you fit him in that front line when you've got Toure and Devere and all of that? Do you kick Toure inside and play him as a nine? Mm. It's going to be, but I'm sort of getting the feeling with Dwight York, Azan, Daniel Azani spoke to him after the game about how Dwight York's got him enjoying his football. He really, you know, he's feeling trusted. He's, you know, enjoying football for the first time in years, which I thought was a very telling quote from Arzani. I kind of get the feeling just York's not overcoaching them. Like he's given them tips and tricks. Arzani talked about, you know, he gives him advice about where to go in the box and all of that sort of stuff. But I sort of get the feeling that York's, not exactly doing a lot of coaching of the attacking team. He's just kind of like letting them play. Mm. And when you've got the individual talent that the Bulls have up front, creative talent, I think that's a good thing. You know, why try to put Devia, Ture, Arzani, even though Lockie Rose is, you know, very much a PNP player, why try to put them in a box? So my big question for MacArthur, and again, we're not going to see it against Sydney United. We know what Sydney United are going to do. They're going to sit back, defend, and try to play on the counter. My question's heading into the season surrounding MacArthur are more on the defensive side. How are they going to play against good opposition who come at them and really start to test them? We know Philip Curto's a great goalkeeper, even though there's a lot of worries about, I mean, if he gets one more head injury, he has to be done. But mm. how, how do they match up defensively, I think, is the big question about um, MacArthur. Yeah, it's an interesting one because, you, you know, Dwight York's obviously played at the highest level and has been in some more. He was in the kind of up to up front strike partnerships as opposed to the front three. But, yeah, like how much do you really need to tell Davila and even Arzani? Like one of the best things about Arzani is his spontaneity, is the fact yeah. that he's unpredictable. So I I love seeing Arzani back playing again. I actually think that Arzani, like, you know, there was a lot of excitement about, um, you know, Garen Quoll being included in the Socceroos squad this week. And understandably so, and it's kind of exciting. I still think Arzani should be in there. I still think Arzani gives you something. You know, I know he hasn't played much because there hasn't been many games for MacArthur to play in, and he won't play much before the World Cup. And this is what I think is going to be very difficult. And I think someone in the comments already asked, uh, you know, if Cumdog has a good performance against New Zealand, um, you know, should he be in the team? It's going to be hard for these A-League players because you got six yeah. games. You, like six how many times can someone really put a good case forward for a World Cup selection when they're not already, like, a regular starter. You, you also have to, you don't have to already be like the benchmark. You have to be quite far over that benchmark to get selection. So it's going to be interesting. I think Azani should be there in the Socceroos squad. I think he should be there in the World Cup squad. Uh, I think he's just that type of player. So I'm really interested to see how MacArthur goes next season. Edmund L. Young says, amazing if Nick Stoll actually likes McBall this season. I know, Edmund. I know. You think I don't know that? I'm enjoying this team. I'm getting excited about yeah. this team. This is see, it's ridiculous. Not, we don't just like hate people for the sake of hating people. We have, we're not haters for the sake of hating. We have no, reasons. Yeah. And look, by the way, if you... 
if you play entertaining football, if you do something exciting, that's really all I'll ever, I'll forgive you for a lot of things, you know, the cowbells, the lack of supporters, the dodgy pitch, you know, all the stuff that's at the gouging of away fans. Uh, eventually I'll just be like, fans. yeah. And I'll just be like, well, it's pretty fun to watch Daniel Arzani play football. It's pretty fun to watch Ulysses Davila play football. So, uh, you know, I, I'm actually, I would admit it. I'm excited about McCarthy this season. I think they'll do well. And I think, you know, it's in, it's a good opportunity right now for MacArthur because they go into this match being the favorites, I would say, for the cup. Uh, so they could win the cup. That will give them momentum going into the season. Hopefully that brings in fans and sponsors and, and whatever else they need. And then I look at, you know, where are Western Sydney going to be? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure how good they'll be this season. You know, it, it's hard to gauge, but they were very bad last season. So, you know, they need a massive improvement. Sydney FC, there's worrying signs there as well. Also very bad last season. And, you know, based on their cut run, not exactly great. So there's a huge opportunity for MacArthur to be the kind of best team in Sydney uh, this year. Um, so, you know, good luck to Dwight York, full disclosure. I was at a wedding with him last night and uh, I can understand why it might be fun to play football for. I was, I was there thinking, yeah, this guy would be, look, compared to what they had last season, this guy seems like he's more fun. That, that's all I'll say. Well, I don't agree with you on Arzani. I wouldn't have argued if Arzani was in the Socceroos squad. Um, I can understand the reasoning why he's not. I'm not the coach, and I can obviously see, you know, the logic or the thinking process behind his non-selection. But if he'd been in there, I would not have objected once um, at all. Yeah, and I think he is going to have a good see. I mean, you know, maybe we've seen, you know, given that awards often have just as much around about narrative as they actually do awards themselves. I mean, he could be a Johnny Warren medal contender if everything mm. breaks right for him and he gets goals and assists, mm. um, to quote Josh Parrish, goals and assists <laughs> and catches the eye. So it's going to be really interesting. Um, and yeah, you're right. This Australia Cup, if you are MacArthur heading into a season where you've splashed out, you've brought in all night Dwight, Dwight York is basically, if you, uh, Dwight York is as close to a marquee coach that the A-League men's is going to be able to attract. You're not going to be able to bring in the high NRI coaches like Pep and Klopp. So your best options are to bring in these four sort of ex-players at the start of their coaching careers. I mean, albeit the last one that sort of fit that mould was Marcus Babel, and we all saw how that worked out. But they've got that. They brought in Arzani. They swung for the fences and they missed out on Cesc Fabregas, but they, they were very deep in that process at one point, even having a verbal agreement with Cesc Fabregas until he backed uh, out. No, Cesc, come on, man. You put, I mean, look, you shouldn't have gone to MacArthur, but you should have gone to the A-League, that's for sure. Like, I mean, he's living in Como now. I think I know, he's enjoying I know. life. Um, if I got an offer to go live in Como and do this podcast from, from a, you know, chateau overlooking the lake, I'm there. Yeah. So, but it's silverware. I mean, silverware is always good, but... For MacArthur, it could be, you know, just the tonic they need to maybe start to reset the narrative around that franchise, which has, you know, been increasingly, the narrative at the very least has been a bit moribund about them. Yeah, they made the finals in year one, but then they started playing really dour football yeah. in year two, missed out on the finals. So chance to reinvigorate themselves a little bit on that front. And it's going to be, to be honest, I'm really looking forward to seeing what sort of crowd they get for yeah. the final um, as well. It's been revealed that it's going to be at uh, Bankwest Stadium, 
um, over there in Western Sydney. What is it? Com- no, Combank stuff. Screw it. Western Sydney Stadium. I can't keep up with all the sponsors and all of that sort of stuff. And obviously, Western two signs west of the Sydney CBD taking part. The Crow Cup is taking place at Adenza Park that weekend. So ostensibly, hopefully, uh, the Croatian diaspora should at least be in the vicinity if they want to come out and support Sydney United and create uh, a bit of an atmosphere. And beyond that, ticket prices, you know, one must give credit where credit is due. Ticket prices are really good. I mean, you look at it, tickets start at $12 for juniors, 15 bucks for concessions, 20 for adults and 52 for a family. 20 is plenty. There you go. You can get in to the Australian Cup final as an adult for 20 bucks credit where credit is due on that front yeah and exactly like it, it i'm excited i will go to this game uh with enthusiasm which isn't always the case uh when it comes to australian football plenty of times you attend without uh so much enthusiasm but yeah it's just on oakley before we kind of move off um from the final what do you think about kind of their season and and also kind of which which players and, and even the coach you know is there a chance of them kind of moving up to the A-League and, and are they a bit underrated um, because they're in the NPL? I can't hear you, so I don't know if that's my fault or your fault. That's my fault. The only Cannons are an interesting case. Uh, they're not one of the big... No, there's like a big four in Victorian football. Um, South Melbourne, Melbourne Knights, Heidelberg United and Preston. Those mm. were sort of like traditionally the most well-supported clubs in Victoria, you know, they were in the NSL. There was sort of like an environment where like you'd go and play for your local, like if you were, you'd go and play for St. Albans or Chelsea Hyduk um, or someone like that. And then you'd go and support Melbourne Knights in the NSL. That's the way um, the team worked. So the Cannons, they're not at that level, but they obviously invest very heavily in their squad. As you've seen, the facilities they're getting an upgrade on their facilities. To be honest, the support, maybe, do they have enough support to maintain a national second division side? Do they Are they going to be able to bring in enough corporate support and corporate backing and do all of the other necessary business things to get ready for a national second division? It guns in my head. I wouldn't peg the Oakley Cannons as a side that could launch as a foundational NSD side. But the beauty of the NSD is if they get it up and they get it right and they fix the um, you know, the mobility between the leagues, there's no reason why the Oakley Cannons can't target a second division. There'll be licensing requirements. There'll be promotional requirements. And they can say, all right, this is the level that we need to be at to enter a national mm. second division. Let's try and hit it. And they've certainly shown the ambition, at least at an NPL Victoria level, in their pursuit of... Um, titles and the like to invest. So, I mean, that's the beauty of an NSD. It's not like when the NSD launches, it's not just for the foundational clubs. If there's a pathway to linking the tiers and linking the pyramids and there's a clear set of licensing criteria and regulatory criteria, that you've got an aspiration right there for every single club below the second division to say, all right, we weren't ready right now. But there's where we need to get to if we do want to be in there one day and let's work towards that. So the Cannons, I think, would be in that category. 
What do you think of their coach, uh, Chris Taylor? Do you think he should be considered for A-League roles? I know he's kind of a bit older and, and that sometimes – it, 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 I don't know. I don't know if that is an issue with coaching. Maybe it is. I know teams do like to go for younger coaches because. Yeah, I'd say Chris Taylor's probably a bit seasoned at this yeah. point. I mean, he'd be a perfect national second division coach, I think. And then maybe if he proves it on a national level, but problem for Chris is that he's, you know, he's working five or six days a week on a building site on a job as site. well. It's amazing. And, and he's he, taking, taking on A League teams. Like, and he incredible. does tend to, uh, ride the same starting 11 week in and week out sort of thing, which does rely mm. on having better players than your opposition week in and week out more so than managing a squad and managing tactics. So I know you don't want to talk about it too much, but just tell us about the 13 year old goalkeeper. Why exactly? Because someone was asking me about this and someone was like, they said, but hold on. Usually traditionally uh, you've got your senior team and, and they usually there's a reserve goalkeeper and you're under twenties and you're under 18s and you're under 16s and you're under 15s and so why did it go all the way down to the under 14s because i would presume there'd be two goalkeepers in every single one of those sides how does it get down 13 now it made headlines the project didn't interview with him uh i'd never seen half these people on the project before the projects had a weird lineup since i last watched it but you know it was it was a cool story it was a story that you know cut through mainstream australia Apparently there was an injury crisis that hit the Oakley Cannons. So all of their available keepers were either injured or slash not allowed to play senior football by their parents um, until they... until they got to the 13 year old. <laughs> so, so how many rejections did this guy, like we know Nick Dubano gets a few rejections on the apps, but you know, the fact that Chris Taylor was calling two keepers per team and every single one of them was like, no, nope, can't play. Ooh, what is it? Mm, Wednesday? Nah, busy, busy. Uh, I asked the 13-year-old. I don't think he's, he hasn't got much on. That's incredible. Is that really what how it went down? I think. Wow. It, 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 it upset South Melbourne fans to no end, given that Italiano was signed before the finals and then allowed to play in the finals, although he barely had a save to make in the grand final last Sunday. So I don't think that materially affected the grand final. Um, but who knows? I think at the end there, that was just like a bit of the cannons just having a bit of fun. They were going out, they were losing five yeah. one. Yeah, magic CT, of the cup. C- CT knows how upset other people in the Victorian pyramid have been surrounding the signing of Italiano and how much hay has been made of the cannons' goalkeeping crisis. So I think it was just a little bit of that. I mean, wow. I mean, at one wow. point I was doing I, I, to, I, I was doing sideline for the yeah. grand final when they got a penalty to make it 4-1. He yelled out to tell Luis Italiano to go up and take it. <laughs> the goalkeeper that had been the subject of so much ire from South Melbourne fans. So, you know, he's got a good sense of humor on him, CT. I, I would, uh, yeah, I, I think he should be in the A-leg just for that level of pettiness. I think that's incredible. I mean, uh, Alan, and he, no, Alan, he's a marketing genius as well. Oakley yeah, Cannons totally. are now like worldwide and famous. That's it. And actually, this story did go worldwide. That's what we should it say. Did. Like the, the, the B Bleacher Report football picked up on it. You know, a few of those kind of accounts picked up on it. And, you know, it's an easy kind of retweets and likes uh, kind of story. But it's incredible. Uh, Alan Riley in the comments says, you could say that Oakley were pretty depleted. Uh, Edmund Al Young says, have to confess, I know almost nothing about uh, Victorian MPL before. Thanks, TNC, for the education. I mean, I, I do try to make it a national NPL focus. Yeah. But 
I mean, I couldn't tell you. Tell, tell us what's happening in your local uh, MPL thing. Um, we should move on, but uh, are you excited for the final uh, coming mm. up? Sydney United, MacArthur. Do you think it's Sydney United, what kind of chance would you give them? 20, 30, 40%? Uh, I'm thinking uh, 25. I'm thinking 25. I'm not going to put an. I give them a puncher's chance. Yeah. Yeah. Hold out, you know, sit deep, set piece, you know. Could, could could work well. Um, all right, well, let's move on uh, to the next subject. And people have kind of been debating it in the comments already. The Socceroos uh, squad. So Graham Arnold, uh, he named a squad for the game uh, coming up against New Zealand. I believe there was thirty-one uh, players included in it. Um, so obviously, you know, it's a squad of twenty-three that goes to the uh, World Cup. So we'll see kind of what it ends up being, but. Tell me first your favorite thing about this squad, and then tell me first your not so favorite thing about this squad. I think I'm going to guess your favorite thing. You're muted. You're muted again. My favorite thing in this Socceroos squad. Yeah. My boy. Explain to your boys. The Del Boy. Harrison (laughs) Delbridge is final. I have been saying for years that he had it what it takes to play in the Socceroos. It took an injury crisis at the centre-back position for it to happen and an extended squad for Mm. it to happen. And I know Alex Grant can probably and deservedly feel snubbed. I don't care. I genuinely have thought for years, like people, like I I think some people sometimes think, am I memeing with this? No, I genuinely think Harrison Dolbridge is a talented centre-back. What, what, has, well, you, you're more enamored with him than just he's a talented center back. Why, why okay? This? Some of it's a meme, some of it's a meme, okay. but it's a combination of me thinking that he's a very talented center back, the fact that he's such an eminently memeable player, and the fact that I like to be a contrarian sometimes. Yes. Um, shock horror, somebody on TNC is a contrarian, <laughs> uh, but no, I think he's been playing, he's been playing well in Korea. He's been playing week in and week out for the fourth place side in the K-League. The big thing with him before he went overseas was his brain fades and his discipline. Hasn't had a red card in two years. So... (laughs) I like that that's the bar we're now asking for our defenders. Well, he was talented before that, but the problem was his brain fades. And like he was starting in the Melbourne... He was starting regularly and playing well for the Melbourne City side that made the grand final. Um, and lost to Sydney FC. Should have had a goal, but it was disallowed. Like, and I like the way he plays. He's big. He's physical. He's got good recovery speed. He can. He, he's got decent positional sense. And also, when he's on the ball, he actually likes to do things on the ball. And he doesn't just play the ball from side to side. Mm. If you watch him at Melbourne City, you would have seen that he he got he'll go on a run. Yeah. Or he'll pass the ball vertically, which, you know, I think is an important skill for centre-backs to have. Do I think that he is going to make the World Cup squad for Qatar? Absolutely not. <laughs> not unless injuries absolutely destroy that squad. You know, Kai Rolls isn't able to come back. Trent Sainsbury goes down. Um, Milos Degenek goes down and can't make the team. Um, you know, so, but I'm pleased to see that He's actually been rewarded for going away to, in the middle of a pandemic for going away to Korea, putting in some good shifts, and he's been rewarded for that. And yes, and I'll say it again, 
Alex Grant can absolutely feel like he should be in the mix as well. Well, that's what Alan Riley uh, says via YouTube. Alex Grant not getting caught up is a joke. No offense to Joey, but he should get the nod over Delbridge. He's been great in the K-League ever since he joined Pohang. Be honest, don't watch a lot of K-League, um, but shout out to those who do. Uh, Hirado says, Joey Delbridge for soccer is Lynch is not a crackpot confirmed. I am not a crackpot. <laughs> um, but yeah, Alex Grant, look, I, I, don't, I can't begin to tell you how he's going in Korea, um, but I'll take Alan's word for it. He's doing well and they should be in there. But let's kind of look at this tweet from a friend of the pod, Demir Kulas, and he gives us the ins. Uh, Cummings, by the way, someone uh, from my work here at Stan sent me this Cap the Cum Dog tweet that Optusport did. They had no idea that this was this guy's nickname. And they just thought that someone had gone absolutely rogue uh, on the socials. And quite a few other people in the office were like, they said, what? That's incredible. So the Cum Dog, it, it, it does make people sit up and notice. Uh, Delbridge in, Deng in, Devlin in, Francois in, Garen Quoll in, Langerak in, Metcalf in, uh, Ryan Strain in, out. And Bacchus as well. Damir Bacchus. later corrected himself to acknowledge Bacchus's call up as well. Bacchus is in, out. D'Agostino, Davidson, Dougal, Goodwin, Rolls, Stensness, Vukovic. Uh, I asked you what your favorite thing was about this squad. What's your least favorite thing? I don't really have a non, like a least favorite thing about this squad. Like, I mean, obviously, like my boys have been looked after. Denny Genre, you know, still mm. able to make the team as well. I'm pleased to see that Cummings is going to get a chance to have a run around before the World Cup. You know, maybe Ozani could have been there, but it's more, it's just more interesting as a, you know, just as food for thought than actual, you know, get angry about it sort of thing. You know, maybe Davidson can feel a bit hard done by given that he's been moved. He moved to Belgium with Eupen and he's been playing week in and week out in Belgium, but he still gets dropped. Um, although the, it, it feels as though despite Bayich's woeful form um, in Scotland's, um, it feels sort of like Bayich is nailed on anyway. Mm. And obviously Arnie likes King. Um, but Joel Goodwin, King, I, my understanding is he's also lost his kind of starting 11 regular spot with his club, uh, over in Denmark. So tonight left back's a bit of a worrying position mm. for, and, and maybe some, which is why Davidson can maybe feel yeah a bit sore, but, um, uh, Goodwin and roles, fitness concerns, obviously not called up. Vukovic is interesting as well. Previously, I thought that the goalkeeping positions for the World Cup were nailed on. You've got Ryan um, as the number one, and then you've got uh, Vukovic and Redmayne, the established goalkeepers union, good chemistry yeah. in the dressing room, all of that sort of stuff. I, and I well, think and also, most... You have to take Redmayne now. If you don't take Redmayne... Yeah, you have to did, take Redmayne now. Like, man, name he, a 24-man sort of like, squad. He's this World Cup's Timmy Cahill. You sort of yeah. have to take him um, for marketing purposes. Is nothing... <laughs> Even though, yeah, he's a good goal. He's a um, a good dressing room presence as well. But I guess Langerak, if Langerak's willing to come back, he has to be in the squad. Mm. He's arguably in the Socceroos. It's weird. Ryan's always played well for the Socceroos. But you contrast with the, his club career, and it's his club career really hasn't been going optimally the no. past few years. Meanwhile, you look at Langerak, 
and he's setting records in the J League for clean sheets, and he's arguably at Clubland Australia's most consistent and best goalkeeper. Mm. So I don't think Wangarak will supplant Ryan as the number one, either at these games or in Qatar. I think Arnie will be loyal to Matt Ryan, short of a cataclysmic injury or a cataclysmic performance. But you sort of have to take Langerak. And I'm pleased for Langerak. He's a good bloke. Um, Langerak, I'll say this, Langerak's occasionally messaged me about, you know, my cancer stuff and all that sort of stuff just to check in how I am, just off his own back. He's a very nice bloke. What a Um, good dude. Yeah, so pleased to see him up. Um, And then let's get to the the obvious comings, the cum dog. The belated call up, I think. Would have liked to see him called up for the Japan um, and the Saudis, uh, the Saudis games. But it's going to be interesting, you know. Like obviously, those games coming at the end of the A League season, these ones at the start of it. One would hope that Cummings has been doing his off season program and hitting the weight room and hitting the gym if he's going to come in and put in the types of performances he's going to need for the World Cup. Yeah, this is, I don't know, this is what I feel so weird about this Socceroos squad is, like, what are you basing it on? Like, why are you bringing in Cummings now? Because it's not like he's been informed, unless, I don't know, Arnie's watching Central Coast Mariners training sessions and he's seen something incredible. I, I just think, and this is one of the problems of having a gigantically long off-season, is that we just don't, and also usually the World Cup would not be during the middle of the season, uh, which also kind of has issues. But yeah, look, Jason Cummings was a bit of a revelation last season and, and really exciting to watch and showed a lot of quality. Now, is he the type of guy who, when he hasn't played for four months, is really going to impress? Mm, I'm yet to be convinced of that. Um, I mean, that was the big question for him coming down under. Nobody ever doubt, doubted his talent. Yeah. It was always the mentality with him. Yeah. Was he going to party? Yeah. Was he going to put in the work at training? Now, he arrived mid season at the Mariners after doing, admittedly, it was a bit of an interrupted preseason in Scotland, but, and he hit the ground running. After the world's longest off season, can he hit the ground running once again? Is the question. Yeah. Um, What do you think about Garen Quall being caught up? I mean, let's also talk about the fact that he might be reportedly, although that report was then um, disputed by his brother slash advisor who has then since slash other things. Yeah. Has, has, has his own issues. So we'll get uh, to that. I think we'll get to that. But Garen Quall, I mean, he has played, I think it's like a hundred and, 89 minutes of never started as a senior game. Never started a senior game. He's 17 years old. He's extremely excited. He's 18 now. I he's 18 now. He was 17 a week ago. He's 17 until he's 18. That's how it works. (laughs) He I watched him when he played against Barcelona in that friendly. It was exhilarating to see him take the ball and, and run at players. He plays with no fear. That is very exciting. That also isn't a huge sample size. You know, I, I I would love to see this guy play more. And I don't mind kind of a roll in the dice or one or two young players. But I do wonder, like, just to me, I think he's exciting. But there must be other players who are like, hold on, hold on. I'm told that I have to be playing regularly for my club 
you know, at a decent level to make the Socceroos squad because the Socceroos squad is a thing that you, you know, earn. It's not just given to you. And then a kid who undoubtedly has a lot of talent uh, is put in the squad after 189 minutes of senior football. It, it, I'm conflicted. I'll be conflicted. I mean, they're, com- they're completely valid concerns. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, if this was a 23 man squad, even, you know, allowing for the outs that have come in and all that sort of stuff, I don't think Garing would have been named if it was a 23 mm. or even a 25 man squad. What this feels like to me is sort of if when you think back to the very first squads that Arnie had when he took over post Russia he brought two young players in that were never intended to see the field, but he sort of like brought them in, get them involved in the senior camp, have a look at them up close, that sort of thing. They were Dennis Yonro and John Iredale. Obviously John Iredale hasn't kicked on and become a senior soccer, but it did work for Dennis Yonro. Now maybe one can make the argument that it would have worked for Dennis Yonro, regardless of had he been exposed to camp or not, because he's got the talent, but it sort of smacks to me like that. Like, we were expecting a 30-man squad. It's a 31-man squad. Maybe it's just a case of you've got extra slots. It's an easy win. Uh, maybe it helps, you know, maybe it helps him get a work permit somewhere if he's a mm. cap senior international. Yeah. Um, maybe. maybe it secures his loyalty. So it's one of those situations where, you know, I think Garing's going to play. I imagine in the second game in Auckland. You, you'll see a lot of these players, like you'll probably see Garing get some game time. You'll see Tyrese Francois get some game time. You'll see Delbridge get some game time. You'll see Cummings get some game time. In these game, in the Auckland game, I think, because we've already talked about what state that pitch might be in. So given that there's rugby yeah. games, two rugby union games on at the day prior, I get the feeling he's going to play. So he will become a capped international. Albeit he won't be tired because, you know, they're not proper games. But, you know, maybe it's just a case of that. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I think if Mm. you are watching along on the live stream, leave us a comment if there are any other players you want us to discuss. But I want us to discuss. But happy to see Cameron Devlin get called up. I think it's been delayed. The problem for Devlin, I think, has been, and this is also a problem for... um, Jake Brimmer, who didn't get the call up, much to the chagrin of victory fans, is just there's a ton of depth at mm. the central midfield position in this Socceroo squad and young depth as well. Uh, I, d- so, I don't know if I would call it depth or there's a ton of players at a similar level. Well, that's that's, that's a kind of depth. Yeah. Yeah. That's I a just, kind of... you know, it, 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 like there is a lot of decent players. But to me, there's no great central midfielders. Well, I mean, like, you go, like, there's also, like, the case of, I mean, Kenny Dougal has been dropped mm. from this squad, who's been a sort of mainstay in this team. I mean, you look at the midfielders, keeping in mind also that Keanu, uh, sorry, that um, Jake Bremer hasn't been playing because he's yeah. been stuck in the world's longest off season, and Melbourne Victory lost their first ever their first competitive fixture in the Australia Cup, the round of 32. So he played one competitive fixture mm-hmm. in the span of months. You look at this midfield, Keanu Bacchus, Cameron Devlin, Tyrese Francois, Dennis Jonro, Aiden Rustic, Jackson Irvine, Riley McGree, Connor Metcalf, Aaron Moy. Mm-hmm. Who are you dropping for Brimmer? Probably yeah. Francois. 
Yeah. But Francois has been played twice in the Premier League this season and has now, you know, been deemed good enough to come off the bench in the Premier League and has now been loaned out to the uh, Hyanel, yeah. Croatia, Gorica, and he's been a regular feature in the Oli Roos and the junior mm. national team setup. So maybe the maybe the other one you could make the argument, maybe Conor Metcalf, but Conor Metcalf on natural talent, Exciting prospect. He's made the move to Germany. He's got his first goal in Germany. He's already been capped in the national team setup. You know, so there's a familiarity there with the camp. It's sort of like the situation with somebody like Brimmer that there's just a lot of similar players there. And I don't, I don't know if you're not a Melbourne Victory fan, it's difficult to see who he actually comes comes in for in that midfield. Mm. You can make a case for everyone in that midfield over Brimmer. You can make a case yeah. for Brimmer. Yeah. But you can also make a case for everybody in that team. Um, Logan Potter, Tom Rogic, talk him now. Uh, Logan, your grammar's lacking a little bit, but I like where you're heading. Rogic is an interesting one because he is one of our most talented players of the last eight years or so. He's just signed for West Brom. One of Brom. the most yeah talented, highest potential. Yeah, just signed for West Brom. He... I don't, I don't know whether he's played yet for West Brom. I don't believe so. He literally just signed, I think, this week. Um, it's To me, it's a bit of an underwhelming move after, you know, you're leaving Celtic and you had all this time off. And, you know, eventually, I, I don't know what moves fell through. I, I can't imagine he would have left Celtic, you know, become the free agent. If this I mean, was there was talk that he was plan. off to Cyprus. So if yeah. it's this or Cyprus, this is an upgrade over Cyprus. Totally, and Indonesia as well. So I, I don't know. It's a very strange one. And also there's still the issue of we still don't understand why he left the Socceroo squad kind of prematurely, um, you know, prior to. So, and it seems like that is an issue. Uh, reading some reports around the squad, it seems like that's an issue, you know, with Arnie or with some of the players within the squad. Do you think he's any chance of coming back? And, and how open-minded do you think you know, both Arnie, the other players, and the Australian football public need to be. If he hits the ground running with West Brom, you know, do we need him? Is he one of our best options? I think he's a chance. I think he's going to have to play very well at West Brom to break mm. back in. I don't think he can rely on name recognition or I'm Tom Rogic mm. to get in. Whether you disagree with that or not, I think reading some of the reports. Obviously, there's been reports Robbie Slater has not been impressed and, you know, has been calling for explanations and has been having a go and we know how close Robbie Slater is with Graham Arnolds. Can we read into that, that they share similar thoughts? Maybe, maybe not. I think in terms of... I don't want to say forgiveness because there's nothing to forgive. Like, Tom Rogic... Like he, he withdrew for personal reasons. Mm. You know, I have to imagine that there were legitimate personal reasons to not play in crucial World Cup qualifiers and to just disappear off the face of the earth after leaving Celtic. I'm not going to judge him for that. So he's got nothing to apologize for. And there's no need for forgiveness. But for lack of a better word, I'll use the word forgiveness anyway. It sort of goes in the reverse order of what you said. I think the public will forgive him very quickly. I think his teammates will just understand this is a job. 
teammates yeah. will have his back, players will understand. It's about whether or not he convinced the coaching staff that it's worth it. Do you, you don't think there needs to be an explanation? From what my understanding is, when Arnie's been asked about it, he says, have no idea, have received no... You know, we talked about this at the time, but basically if if Arnie had it communicated to him that whatever the situation was and he deemed it, oh, yeah, fair enough, Arnie would just be like, yeah, I understand why he had to pull out, all good, da 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 It does seem like... Arnie re- wants an explanation. He hasn't told, as far as I can understand, he hasn't told the PFA either. Like mm. he's told us, I don't think he's told anyone. Yeah. Um, Which is his right to personal. do so, but, but it's also, you have to deal with the consequences of that. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that's fair enough. Yeah. Like I'm not going to argue that point. I'm like I said, I don't expect an apology. I don't expect an uh, an explanation. He doesn't need... I don't feel like I need to forgive him for anything. I don't feel he needs forgiveness. I'm also not picking the Socceroo squad. Mm. Just on Quoll, uh, this rumoured move to Newcastle United. What, what are your thoughts on it? There's, there's talk that he would be... And let's just go off this reporting and, and assume that, you know... And... Something like 42,000 Australian a week. It's quite a big assumption because, you know, you never, you know, there's always details in contracts, but apparently 42,000 Australian dollars a week. That would mean that he's on around $2 million, um, over $2 million a year. That, you know, is double the best paid AFL player, be one of the best paid uh, Australian athletes in the world. Um, He, like we said before, 18 years old, never started a game. There's also talk. Good work if you can get it. Yeah, there's also talk that he would be at Newcastle United, and then but he would be loaned. He'd be trying to get a work permit, so he'd be loaned out potentially. I wouldn't struggle. He just wouldn't be able to get a loan permit, a work permit to work in England. So he would then kind of. There was talk that he'd be loaned out to Portugal. What what do you make of all that? You know, it it seems like. Look, first of all, let's be honest. Fucking amazing if you can get that amount of money at that age. Like, congratulations. Do you? Take it and run. But secondly, you know, obviously your career is going to last longer than your contract. Hopefully we want you to, you know, have a long contract and we want, you know, and we've seen it so many times before and, and like Daniel Arzani is a, a good example. I think he was much further ahead. He was playing regularly for Melbourne city at the time. He was one of their yeah. best players. He was playing in the Socceroos in the world cup. He was coming off the bench and then he went to Manchester city and it didn't work out for whatever reason. We've seen over the years, yeah. very, talented youngsters go to big name clubs uh, and it hasn't worked out because of the lack of opportunities, because of a bad setup, because injuries, because whatever. It, this makes me nervous. I'll just say it. this, this potential no, makes me nervous. I, I agree with you. Like I said this on the show either last week or the week before that, he's got to be very careful with the decision that he makes because, you know, it's about situation. It, it's about, you know, where am I best going to? Yes, money is important. I, I, I get that. Like t- trying to tell somebody like $2 million, that shouldn't play into your thinking. Piss off. It shouldn't play into your mm. thinking. It's $2 million a year. Um, but as you said, his career is going to last longer than this one contract. And when you go to these other teams, you know, your Newcastle, United to use them as an example with their new petro dollars and their um, Saudi cash. He's not 
the golden child at Newcastle United. He's just another prospect that they've brought in and loaned out. He's not going to get special treatment. He's certainly not going to be able to make the Premier League, you know, just based on cameos on loan or in the youth team, especially not if Newcastle United continue on the trajectory on the cash petrodollar fuel trajectory most expect them to take in the next few years when they can just sign and bring in players. I mean, look at Manchester City. How many players at Manchester City are homegrown? Yeah. It's not a lot. Phil like, Foden. Phil, Phil Foden, who's a, a generational, generational a generational talent. Yeah. Like look at Liverpool. How many how many homegrown players at Liverpool? Yeah, not Alexander many. Arnold. Yeah, like Harvey Elliott, generational, I but I think they've even signed him. Yeah, but so like these big, massive clubs. It's a question, you know. It's a questionable the pathway. Um, so yeah, and obviously the news that's come out surrounding you know his family situation. And all of this stuff. I mean, if you want to bring up the tweet, we can talk about it. I mean, we can talk about it because it's been officially. But there's obviously there's been reports talking about the tug of war that comes out. His brother was very active on social media, talking, advocating on his behalf and nonsensing reports and all of that sort of stuff. And then the news breaks a couple of days ago that an issue uh, warrant has been issued for his arrest for because he skipped out on bail um, and he's been charged with a series of offences um, in Shepparton. If he's advising him, like, it's not ideal, is it? No. I will say it's also... Not the first time that an advisor has been caught, uh, you know, having an issue with the law. <laughs> so, you know, it's a bit of football heritage. <laughs> football heritage, but like this is like, like, and it just makes you question like the decision making process, the decision making process behind these yeah. sort of things is, is the developmental situation at the forefront. Of this situation. Uh, Nicholas via um, YouTube says Newcastle aren't exactly known for developing talent either. Would be better if he went to somewhere like Dortmund. I mean, I, I don't know if Dortmund, Dortmund I agree with. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know if Dortmund is on the table. Like, I, I don't know. You know, there was, there was talk, for example, that Barcelona were potentially interested. I highly doubt that um, Barcelona have. You know, I have an academy. It's quite good. They have some pretty amazing players coming through. Uh, All right, similar there's, to Garing. There's a report from a um, an outlet, an Italian outlet, that uh, Garang does indeed have interest from Borussia Dortmund. Okay. All right. Well, that, that I think that would be very interesting. But yeah, it. But, you know, look, and Ajax Must- as well. Where the hell does Ajax come from? Mustiamini went to um, Borussia Dortmund. True. And it didn't work out. Um, and, you know, we were very excited about the potential of Mustiamini. You know, he was there under Klopp. And just because you go to a big club, I, I kind of think like you, you know, Sapreet Singh to Bayern Munich, another one. It, you know, I know he's not Australian, but it's a similar He's story. battled injuries. 
He's battled injuries, but he was never getting into that starting eleven. Let's be honest; like it was, you know. I wonder if New Zealand fans like make TikToks, you know, like making fun of Arzani, or you know, like mm. Singh has a legion of people lining up to kick um, him while he's down in New Zealand just because he got injured overseas. You know, the thing as well is um, what'd be interesting for Darren Qual is his brother Alu Qual. Alu Qual was obviously. You know, very Stuttgart. impressive here here in the A League. Mm. Went to Stuttgart in Germany. A bit started some games before club. he went. He sta- he started some games in the A League. He's I don't think started any games uh, for Stuttgart, and he's been there quite a while now. He's played in their second team a bit, and you he's know, been on the bench for the first team. I don't think he's made actually yeah, made it onto the pitch. I don't think he's made on the pitch. He's played in their like their B team, their second team, whatever. But their second team plays in like the regional league, regional league. Yeah, I don't. I don't pretend to know like the quality of that, but you know, it's essentially the f- third, fourth, fifth division of Germany. Yeah. So, I just think you want to go to a place where you're at least in the top two divisions in that country, and you're playing regularly. And just sometimes these moves, I think they get that. And look, like we said before, well, even money- even if it's a you sign with a bigger club, but you've got assurances, you'll be loaned to a situation yeah. like that in your yeah. first year. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Look, I will say this kid is super exciting and he literally, he's got, got a ton of talent. Seat. He's really he got, exciting. He literally got me off my seat, which, you know, unfortunately happens rarer and rarer in Australian football. He got me off his seat. So excited uh, to watch him play. And I'm really excited to see where his career goes. I just hope that his career goes to a place where he's playing kind of regular football. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. But in saying that, you know, if that's what the money is being offered, I totally understand uh, why he'd want to go there. Um, I just hope that there are some good people around him. Maybe when he gets into Socceroos camp, he can have a chat with some of the lads. Um, yeah. Some people can put their arm around him and help him go to a situation where he's going to maximise his undoubted talent um, and where he can work hard, put his head down and really turn into the player that he's shown signs that he might be able to turn into. Absolutely. All right. Let's get on to uh, the thing that in, uh, a lot of people like to debate, which is the kits. Uh, so we're bringing up now, if you're listening, uh, you know, go to the 54th minute of the YouTube stream because we've got them on screen here. Uh, and a blue Joey, bad. That's not very Ned's level of you, Nick Stoll. Well, look, I'll, I'll, I'll find another website to show it. Hold on. I'm just, a, no, hold on. I'm just amazed you don't have ad block on your uh, browser. Uh, I think I should. Maybe, maybe it's getting past. Just bring uh, bring that one back up. That was a nice picture. No, no, no. Here we go. Here we go. So let's we'll start with the home kit uh, first. I'll use the official Socceroos um, one because they've got the white socks, which I think everyone was quite very happy good. about. Everybody was, why? Why are you so happy about the white socks? Just explain to people why. It's why heritage. white socks is important. It's yeah. just Australian football. Well, one, the kits just look far better with white socks, and mm. B. It's heritage. It's just, uh, this is football heritage. This is Aussie <laughs> football heritage. Just yeah. Aussie teams should wear what green gold and the white socks. It just looks mm. better. I mean, it's Mike a big Cockrell, improvement on 2018. Like Mike Cockrell was like one of the late great Mike Cockrell was a massive ambassador for this. I also like doing that to him just as sort of like yeah. a tribute to one of the doyens yeah. of Australian football journalism as well. Mm. Like they, they wore it. Like, remember when he passed away and the Socceroos played like the next day? So they wore white socks in honor of him. I love that. Just wear white socks all the time. You know, 2023 Um, World Cup as well. Get the Matildas in white socks. 
Yeah. It, look, one thing about kits, and I'll say this. I probably am one of the few football fans who doesn't care too much about kits. Like I'm I'm not fussed not, about kits either. Yeah. Um, I'll I, buy one every now and again, but yeah. Basically what happens to me is if you play good football or do so or there's an amazing player in that kit, I will suddenly think that is an amazing kit. It, I, I retroactively go back and say, that was a great kit because I remember, you know, Raquel May in it or whatever. Um, I'm a kit... bit more keen on kits than, than you are, but yeah, like yeah. I don't froth them. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, Edmund O. Young actually says, home kit looks like the Bafana Bafana kit. I, yeah, I kind of see that. I kind of see that. Yeah. The yellow, the yellow is a bit of a different The shade of the yellow, shade. yeah. And the green. Um, the only real problem I have uh, with the kit, I find the placement of the number under the Nike tick very odd. Uh, it just looks a bit weird to me that they're next to each other. Maybe that's not a big deal. I would put the number nine in the center. And here's also what I'd say is that really the only people that you should be worrying about liking this kit are the people who buy kits regularly. Uh, you know, I'm not going to buy the Socceroos World Cup kit. If someone gives it to me, great. Love it. Send it to me, Nike. But I'm, you know, it's not to me that appealing. Football whereas, influencer Nick Stoll. Yeah, exactly. Whereas I think um, people who really do love kits and, you know, I think they like kits that are a bit different as well, a bit more memorable. Um, Nigeria. What, what Nigeria do? Well, yeah, and you know what the, the thing is? The funny thing with the Nigerian thing was it was cool and then like 3 million like fat white dudes started wearing it all the time. And every time you turned up at like a local football game, or at least here in Sydney, someone would wear it and they were uncool. So therefore the kit became uncool. There's actually a, a limited release. Wouldn't be the worst idea. <laughs> you know, don't oversaturate the market. Um, should we go down to the second kit? Uh, the much more objectionable one. I mean, this is a rashy. Like, come on. <laughs> I've seen this down the beach. Like, eight-year-olds wear this. This is it's a, a It's a bib. It looks like rashy. he can't eat his spaghetti properly. <laughs> I mean, for those who are who are listening, I, I maybe just fast-forward this part of the podcast because this is all visual-based uh, material. But it, well, it's, it, dark, it's dark blue yeah. with, what are we calling that, tint? Uh, I, I don't know, lime green or something? Oh, it's bluer than that. It's like... I, yeah, I'm not good with colors. All right, I'm I'm primary colors only. I can't go into. You start saying things like teal, and I'm like, what are you well, talking about? As as I was discussing with friend of the podcast Anna Harrington, who's also on fellow ESPN podcast, The Far Post. Yeah, it's like he's a walking Optus Sport ad. Oh yeah, it's the Optus Sport the color scheme. Well done, Optus, uh, for, get, for getting that in, despite not being the rights holders uh, for the World Cup. Uh, Lazar Eleven describes it as toothpaste green. That's a very good like description, that. toothpaste green. Um, uh, I'd call it either teal or mint. Teal, closer to that... mint. No, yeah. it's closer to mint. Like, the only what thing I know about is teal. <laughs> wasn't teal the thing that the you know knocked the Liberal Party out? <laughs> At the election, that was the whole deal thing, which, you know, exciting times. Um, Hiraldo says, kits are fundamental to on-field success. And I'm not here otherwise. <laughs> tell me, all right, tell me, Hiraldo. Maybe it's actually on me, but I'm sure there is a team that had a lot of success with bad kits or with a bad kit. Has anyone won a World Cup with a bad kit? I'm trying to think. It's well, hard because as soon as France, you win a World Cup in 2018, Cup, the French kits were quite nice. Yep. Um, Germany 2014, they're fine. Spain 2017. Germany always fine. has good kits. 
Italy. Um, I six. Italy fine. always have good kits. Two thousand and two wasn't a strong year for kits in general. No, but I didn't mind Brazil. Um, but again, why didn't I mind it? Because they had Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, and Rivaldo, and actually that and, blue and, and, away and it's one. hard to make and it's hard to mess up the Brazilian kit. Yeah, uh, France ninety and ninety eight. I love that kit again because I remember seeing it then. Uh, you know, Brazil 94. I love that kit because Mario is, I love the players. That's what I really love about it. Um, it's aqua green. 1990, Germany, Germany, 1990. Bastards uh, for what they did in the semifinals, <laughs> but it's a good kit. <laughs> Maradona, 86. What a kit. <laughs> Italy, 82. What a kit. What a kit. <laughs> you know. So, Geraldo's on to something. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Kids fundamental to, but but I, when I say what a kid, I mean what a team, what a player. Well, you know, that's maybe maybe it's more so the fact that teams likely to win the World Cup have more uh, mm. sway when it comes to the kit design process and can tell the silly bastards <laughs> in the, the, the in the uh, design department not to mess with it. Well, I think as um, Hirado pointed out, the bib that bib thing that Nike have. Uh, for a bunch of oh, it's awful. Kids is awful. Oh, man, Not as awful the as the Portuguese kids, but still pretty bad. <laughs> that Portuguese kit is horrendous. Let me tell you something. Portuguese looks fans. like a They're... sailing flag or something. Portuguese flag. <laughs> that was the most disrespectful thing they've done to Cristiano Ronaldo ever. They've just decided, <laughs> look, bro, we've seen how you're playing at the moment for Manchester United. You're not going to win the World Cup. We're putting you in a horrendous kit. Hopefully, it becomes like a meme and people buy it in 20 years as like a kind of joke thing, but. No way is a team winning that the World Cup with that kit. The Portuguese kit is off. I will say with... Uh, I should wear the away kit as their home kit. Their, their, the away kit is actually quite clean. Um, Torres like the, is... Well, if we can rub out teams like Croatia's not winning the World Cup with oh, whatever the hell not. their kit looks like. Absolutely not. I mean, some would say they're not winning the World Cup ever. You know, they seem like they're cursed. Uh, are we you trying could... to summon him, are we? <laughs> yeah, until you could come on the show if you want to uh, deny that. Toros has a very good Links memory. In the chat. You... Because he says Uruguay in 1930 was pretty crap. I don't even know if they had the concept of kits in 1930. Didn't they just Let's wear whatever at, was are around? Are there color pictures of uh, <laughs> Uruguay 1930? Can, can I just say um, with... Uh, Man, that kit. is a clean kit. Oh, all right. Can you can you, can you you share the screen? Can we see what uh, the I'll Uruguay 1930 kit? i as an overlay image. This might be the most nerdy uh, <laughs> TNC. Yeah, us. We're not on. really big for for kit culture. <laughs> also, us. Let's look up Uruguay's 1930 kit. <laughs> Can I just say that um, shame on the people who Photoshop uh, these kits because. Hrustic is my favorite player in the soccer is by a mile at this stage. And for him to be put in this, the, for me, the first time to see this kit on his body, like. You had to you had to do it to him. You couldn't just do it to someone else, you know? I, I, I think it's I think it's terrible. Here we go. Here, here's the Uruguay nineteen thirty kit. That's a great kit. That's what a are good you kit. talking about, yeah. Torres? Yeah, that's like a classic. That does actually doesn't that look like the centenary kit that the Zagaroos yeah. kind of botched a little bit with but the not, not two sizes too big. Um, yeah, that was that was it's very it's for odd. the for the podcast listeners, it's a sky blue kit with a yeah. white collar. Um, with a tie up, with a tie up front, and white. What is it? White piping around the wrists. It's a long sleeve yeah. top. It looks great. It looks to me. It looks great. Uh, I, I don't know what you're talking about, Taurus. Hey guys, if you like this podcast and you like footy, why not join myself, Matt Walsh, Jake Michaels, and Champion Data's Christian Jolly as we break down all things footy with the help of the game's best statisticians. Get the ESPN Footy Podcast wherever you stream your podcasts every Tuesday. Um, 
anyway, I think that's enough kit chat for now. Uh, A-League women's fixtures. Uh, Joey, tell me what has got you what, – what, you, what, what are your thoughts about this? Well, it's interesting. We, we sort of knew it was coming. Um, it was it was highlighted in the you know in some of the communications surrounding the A League women's competition being moved completely onto ten play, um, which I'll get your thoughts on in a second. Nick Stoll, as a broadcasting professional that they are, but one I think it was great to just see a fixture with twenty rounds on it. Um, it's not full home and away just yet. That will be coming next season. But awesome to see that we are actually are moving towards, you know, giving Australian players more games, more minutes, more opportunities to go out there and make a living. It was baked into the CBA, increases in remuneration for increased work. So not this increase in the season length is also going to see a boost in remuneration. So it's great to see the season length being extended. As it was said in the um, press release, they've moved back towards so-called boutique community grounds. Um, So you've got like places like CB Smith Reserve on there, City Vista Reserve, I mean, Marconi Stadium, uh, Macedonia Park, you know, all of these smaller community grounds supposedly more intimate intimate i guess you know more family friendly um you can't stage a-league men double headers at these grounds so people only have to pay for an a-league women's ticket to get in um so that that's going to be interesting to see which i think is really interesting like one of the things aflw seems to have sought got right and also not got right but there's a lot of i think for the baked on aflw fans there's a lot of love for like playing games at like icon park and witten oval and these more suburban community grounds where it feels a bit more like a fate more like a picnic a day out sort of thing so it feels sort of like the a-league women's is trying to you know danny townsend has gone on the record on a number of occasions saying that the people that watch a league women's the core audience is different than the a league men's so it feels as though there's a they're going back towards that sort of audience um the timings is also very interesting we've now seeing you know simultaneous kickoffs confirmed lots of simultaneous kickoffs across the weekends so there's a new goal rush um production coming i've been sworn to secrecy surrounding the details but there's going to be more details surrounding that coming out um which is going to be interesting to see the take up on that but i'll kick it to you for your for your thoughts on the broadcasting situation in a second nick style but also going to be interested to see sort of the cut through that it gets so the season's starting on november 19 Canberra United versus Perth Glory and Brisbane Raw versus Newcastle and Western United versus Melbourne Victory, 19th of November, four days before the Socceroos will commence their World Cup campaign against France. There's not a clash. In fact, the A-League women's games will lead in, but there is four games on the afternoon of the 26th before the Socceroos take on Tunisia at 9pm that evening Mm. i'm going to be very interested to see just how much coverage and excitement the a-league women's competition 
is going to be able to muster when it's launching smack bang in the middle of a Socceroos World Cup campaign. I can't blame the APL for that. Like this Qatar thing, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Mm-hmm. It's being played in November, December What for what is hopefully one time only mm. because of less than savory reasons that we won't get into with the bidding process and all of that. And <laughs> um, set Blatter sitting in a chair as fake cash falls around him. But yeah, it's going to be very interesting that the cut through, but like you, Nick, when you, you've worked in broadcasting, you work at Stan sports right now, subscribe to Stan sports, home of the uh, champions league. Also <laughs> subscribe to ESPN home of many fine um, broadcasting um, and sports, but, and you also worked for SBS, the world game where you went to a lot of effort to, bring women's football to a larger audience and get women involved in the coverage and all of that. What was your reaction when you saw all the games, no games on free to wear telly, but they're all out from behind the paywall on 10 play. Um, I think without knowing the specifics around what channel 10 wanted, I think overall it's probably a good thing. I think free to wear being on free to wear is maybe a little bit overrated. Uh, I think being behind a paywall is also a bit underrated, how difficult that is. And one thing is if you're on, you're behind a paywall that everyone is already subscribing to. So if, for example, you know, it was on Netflix or something, it's like, well, people have already got it. So there's a good chance that they can, you know, that they can be served this if they already have it now a lot of people just don't have paramount like you know let's just that is what it is it's probably i haven't seen the exact numbers on what their subscribers are but it would be low um it'd be lower than all the other major players in this country uh and they failed to secure you know the afl which there was talk of which would have seen them get an incredible boost um in subscribers but they haven't done that so i think overall you want to make look i think youtube is still one of the best places that the A-League men's or women's could be on. Uh, you know, I think forget free to wear, put games on YouTube. Uh, A, because everyone has YouTube now. Every phone has YouTube. Every TV, you know, as long as it was bought in the last six years has YouTube. Every app has YouTube. Um, you know, the YouTube player is going to allow you to pause, rewind, you know, like we're on YouTube right now. There's comments coming in. Uh, I, I think that's important. Now 10 play. Do a lot of people have 10 play? I'm not sure what the download numbers are like. Uh, I've watched you know, a lot of like you, you can access it on your browser. Yeah, I've I've watched a lot of um, 10 play uh, for the Australia Cup. Uh, I use it for that. So you know, and, and it seems fine as an application. I would I would like it to have more a better user experience. You know, pause, rewind, all that kind of stuff that we talked about in the thing. But again, with uh, the A League Women's. You know, it wasn't like that it was It was on free-to-air last season on 10 Bolt and it wasn't like that propelled it to an incredible level. It it was pretty much similar to what it's been in the previous years. Um, so if it, if it was on a decent trajectory and 10 play thought, and 10 thought it was going to go in a certain direction, I doubt, I doubt it was the APL's idea to take it off 10 yeah. Bolt. So, and that probably tells you about the numbers it was doing. Yeah. And on top of that, like, I love the idea of a Gold Rush show. I think Gold Rush shows are fantastic. I was a big, 
I pushed very hard to get Stan Sports Football Zone for the Champions League where you can watch all the goals go in and all the chances and all the cards and stuff on a Wednesday morning and a Thursday morning. I think it's the best way to watch uh, the Champions League apart from the studio broadcast that I produce uh, <laughs> with my colleagues. But So I love the idea of the goal rush. Um, there was talk last season that we would have goal rush between the two Saturday night A-League men's matches and that never happened. I think they tried it once and then it just fizzled out and it never kind of got spoken of. Uh, well, they sort of used pitcher and pitcher, but like it wasn't yeah. like a full on, full on NFL rush. red zone style production. Exactly. Uh, or Premier League goal rush. I, I think it's a very successful thing. And I think long term, I actually think what should happen is that you should on a Saturday, there should be a show from like 12 till, I don't know, seven, which is just goal rush everywhere around Australian football, which is okay. There's a league men's games. There's a league women's games. Obviously you'd need um, the entire pyramid to, kind of be aligned um but here's a goal in the mpl here's a goal in the mpl women's are oh, we cross now to south australia where adelaide city are up one now i think that'd be an amazing way uh, to spend an afternoon and would massively connect you know the australian football pyramid um i think it would massively give a profile to you know players that we don't know of and teams that we don't know of and i think that would be just a really great way to enjoy football and show how massive football is in this country um but i i do worry a little bit about some of those fixture kickoffs and again like you know you see i think there's a 225 christmas day kickoff like it is very you know there's going to be some very hot games and and football over over you know 35 degrees in humidity it's just awful there's never a good game in that heat it's awful to attend it's awful to play in it's awful to watch on tv so i just think we need to that worries me that we're still you know how long has the W League been in place now over 10 years, uh, or A-League women's, and we're still having this issue of kickoff times and all that kind of thing. Um, there's talk of, you know, more family-friendly times. It's not family-friendly if it's extremely hot and, you know, the families are going to be at the beach or at the pool or inside their house where there's fans and air conditioning. They're not going to come out when it's extremely hot. So and that you sort of run into the You sort of run into the problem just of – one of Australia's great curses, one of Australian football's great curses, just lack of suitable stadia. Like you get these community grounds. I'll forgive me. I'll use, um, I'll use my experiences. Um, We're in Victoria. So CB Smith reserve one grandstand with cover, but setting sun smacks you right in the face. Yeah. Um, As the sun goes down, gets hot. There's light. Bowl, there's light poles obscuring yeah. the view. Um, not the best public transport options. Epping Stadium, very far out of the way. Yeah. Poles obstructing your view in the one grandstands. Casey Fields that Melbourne City are going to be playing. It's about an hour and a bit's drive from the CBD, hour and 10 minutes drive. So if you're a family wanting to go and see those games... yeah. So that's a two-hour, two-hour, yeah. twenty-minute commute with young kids who are already mm. have to sit and watch. You know, I know a lot of people who take their kids to the football and try to, and they have to leave at like I'm talking their young, young kids, and they got to leave mm. early because the kids just don't have the ability to just sit there and, you and know, the attention span. It's, it's normal. one of the challenges. Like if there was a great. Like they tried to play at Dandenong City's grounds during the last season. Melbourne City didn't 
it was difficult. Like if there was a fantastic Grand Daniel, that would be perfect, but there isn't. So we have to do this. And, you know, the situation, I mean, I'm going to be very interested to see what happens with the broadcasts. Yeah. Like last year, all the games were called out of, most of the games were called out of Central Hub in Sydney. Mm. Do all of these community grounds have the internet access and infrastructure to allow that to happen again? Yeah. Um, Alex via YouTube says TNC Saturdays has a nice ring to it. I, like, honestly, it would be my dream to just all of us to just be online. This, where, where I've got this idea and where I get most of my ideas from is this is what happens in Spain. Basically, the games kick off, you know, La Liga will go from 2 p.m. until 10, I think midnight, basically, right? The first game will be at 2, last game will finish at midnight. They will have people on all day and they will go all around the grounds. They'll have the focus game, you know, which is the league game. But you score in the second division, the third division, whatever. They'll, There's been a goal here. Tell us. Okay, an amazing goal. Da, da, da. It's so much fun. People just have it switched on all day. It becomes it, – it's part of the culture. And I think it, it has meant that people for years have become used to every Saturday, whether you're driving, whether you're sitting at home, whether you're – you know, whatever on public transport, you're just listening in uh, to hear what's going all around Spain and Spanish football. So I think it would be an amazing thing to, to do. And I don't know, I think yeah. if the APL and, and the MPL and, and everyone could agree to it, I think it's where the best broadcast lies. Uh, it also means you're not reliant on one game being boring, <laughs> which is often, you know, the problem uh, with things. So, I don't know. Hopefully, uh, one day we can do it. Geraldo asks a good question. Is an awesome I, I just got to say quickly, Spain also go. has this. Oh, we didn't even we didn't even get him saying it. It was uh, El Chiringuito. But you know, I mean, that's the other, that's the other thing Dick is, like, imagine this show on a Sunday. If we'd been able to be exposed to a goal rush all Saturday, how much we'd have to talk about? Yeah, oh, did you see this goal in MPL Queensland? And wow, there was this incredible moment. And da da da. I don't know. I just I just think uh, it would be fantastic. Hirado asks: Is an autumn slash winter A League women's feasible, or are there good reasons it can't slash shouldn't happen? Uh, Joey, you probably know better than me. I would imagine it's to do with crossover with the NPLW would be a big yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, you'd effectively be decapitating a lot of NPLWs, even more to the extent that you sort of already are. With the there's going to be a crossover between mm. dates at the um, next year, and there'll probably be even more of ones in the future years. Although, albeit that prob- we probably should be reaching a point where A League women's programs are moving into year rounds formats, so that we don't have players having to go into the NPLs. But you do run into the situation that if you're doing a limited length. A-League women's season in the winter, um, the autumn and the winter, that's potential. And so players can't play in the NPLW. That's just you're capping out what is ostensibly with the exodus of players to Europe, you're up and coming, Gesundheit, Nick Stoll, sneezing on mute. Um, you're capping out ostensibly your younger players, your players that are coming up and breaking into the A-League women's before they earn overseas moves you're effectively capping their games a year at 20 if they also can't play NPLW. So that's a footballing practical thing. There's also um, ground availability issues, perhaps in, you know, these community like these grounds that A-League Women's will be being staged at this season, these community grounds, they have NPL teams that play at them already. Like CB Smith Reserve is home to 
feels like about six teams in Victoria. Like these grounds already have tenants. So how do you, you know, balance that if you're playing A-League women's um, during, uh, if you're playing these games at the same time period? And maybe ideologically, like this is just me talking out my arse and hypothet- uh, hypotheticals. Do the APL really want to set the precedent where they'll move one of their seasons to winter? Mm. And well, not only that, I think also like the resourcing for the clubs can be easier if the seasons are somewhat aligned. Um, uh, and for the APL as well, I think, you know, you can pull a lot of resources if, if they're at separate times in the year, maybe you do, you can focus more resources, uh, separately that that can be a positive of it, but I I would imagine uh, the APL would have their reasons, uh, for it. Um, Alan Riley talking about uh, our idea for Saturday's goal rush style. And Ante Jukic, wow, what a game, guys. Chris Kamara style setup would be great. Uh, and then Not sure also, how he'd manage that from a spaceship, but... <laughs> he's, he'd come down for the spaceship for this, I think. Um, run the means. Imagine a TNC goal rush late, though. Yeah, we would. That would be a problem. There would be goals There's been a goal. No, there was about 10 minutes ago, but there we were running late. Ago. We're running late. We're getting our stuff sorted. Um yeah, look, it's interesting. Uh, we'll see what happens. But, you know, hopefully they have a good season. Hopefully there's cut through. And no, but Geraldo's very... right, though, in the sense that, yeah, with a longer, more professional A-League women's, that takes one issue away. But there's still a number of other issues as well. Um, yeah, but obviously with the World Cup coming, it's going to be really interesting to see how the popularity around the Women's World Cup translates into... Yeah. I mean, it, it would be like one... It would be great if we were seeing like... It's... The the Women's World Cup is complicated. You've got... It's being organised and run by FIFA. You've got Football Australia trying to create their own legacy. You've got the APL trying to create their own legacy. It'd be, it'd be really awesome if we, you know, we're seeing... I mean, I haven't seen a lot of it. It would be really great if we saw the APL and Football Australia working together. I know the the unbundling, like they had a divorce, mummy and daddy don't live together anymore sort of thing. It would be great if we could see a united front on this sort of setup and, you know, combining their powers for infrastructure and sorting out the pathways and, you know, because they do control separate aspects of the pathway like football australia controls the npls and the ntc programs that will produce players that 99 times out of 100 will go to the a-league women's to get seasoning and develop before they are able to get overseas so they really do have to work hand in hand on this thing so that's another potential pratfall in heraldo's talk about move the apl moving to winter a you'd have to get that signed off from Football Australia because they're the regulator and B, it would require a lot of consultation and work between the two, which one would hope they'd be able to do, but Australian football and hope. What's, what, what is it? It's uh, it's not a what? It's not a strategy. It is not a strategy. Um, all right, let's move on because uh, Alan, as Alan Riley points out, there's a few football games uh, that are starting that I'm sure people uh, want to watch. Who's leading um, the brown though? Uh, n- no idea. Gary Ablett, presumably. You were, you, were, you, were, you were excited, though, about the weekend results, weren't you, Nick Stoll? 
Yes, uh, today I looked up on Google to uh, discover that Geelong, uh, my team uh, that I haven't watched all season and never watch unless they're in a grand final, um, are in the grand final. So I'll be cheering them on next week. Uh, I had to look up what their song was because I had forgotten. Give us a few renditions of their song next time. Uh, Well, I gave a few renditions of other songs where I just put uh, Geelong's name into it, which I think AFL fans should do. uh, What is it, like good old Geelong forever? You gave it one of those? Good old Geelong cats forever. They know how to play the game. Or, you know, they're playing against the City Swans, right? If I'm a Geelong fan, I'd be saying, cheer, cheer the blue and the white. Oh, the mighty, blah, 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 whatever. Look, football's way better. It's a much superior sport. Let's focus on that. Um, uh, what I wanted to, yeah, bring up three weeks out um, from the A-League, how's it trying? Matthew Pappas asked, where is the A-League advertising campaign for season kickoff? We are two weeks away. Look, he, here's what I say about this is, Right now, it is AFL and NRL's finals. That That is taking up so much bandwidth kind of in Australian sport. And then, you know, on top of that, you've got, you know, the Bledisloe Cup was uh, Nick, this I week. I was assured that summer leagues gave us clear air. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is it, right? Is like you don't get any kind of clear air in the lead up, especially if you're launching off the back. And the whole reason that this was kind of bookend, the, the reason that the A-League was put where it was, is because basically Fox Sports, Foxtel, they had the AFL and the NRL, and they knew that they had subscribers basically until kind of the start of October, the last week of September is usually when those codes finish. And they wanted something to keep the subscribers around from October until, and that's why often we finish our season, you know, just as the AFL and NRL is kicking off for the season and why our season is annoyingly short and not, you know, 38 games long like most decent leagues uh, around the world. So we're kind of stuffed at the moment because of the whole setup. Like I, 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 don't, I don't personally think this is the APL thing. I think an advertising campaign right now wouldn't be the best strategy uh, in my opinion. I would, I, I understand why you hold back in this market right now. I, I also assume that, you know, advertising like, what are you going to show? Like a 30 second, you know, how many did you know roll like this? How many did you know go like this? Like, it'd be cool. I don't know if that's really going to convert people to buy tickets to the A-League. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what will in terms of an advertising campaign, but I understand why there hasn't been one yet. Um, and I, I'm sure their limited budget would mean that they've got to really pick and choose uh, their moments. But what do you think about kind of where the A-League's at with two, three weeks away? Well, it's, it's a bit anonymous at the moment, but I, it's, it, it feels as though it's very demure. I mean, like you said, it's difficult to figure out. Like I haven't been told, I, I'll admit I haven't asked what the advertising strategy is. And to be honest, I probably wouldn't know if the advertising strategy had started. I use ad block on all of my internet browsers. I don't watch terrestrial television. I mainly listen to podcasts when I'm driving. And if I'm not, I'm listening to ABC news radio. Like I'm pretty much advertising. Other news radio are available. (laughs) Very good. But like, I'm pretty much as close to advertising proof as you can get. Mm. Um, You know, unless you're popping up on my Instagram feed or my TikTok feed or something. And just, um, so it'd be very difficult for me to figure out if it had started. But 
I don't know. It feels sort of like what I'm seeing with the general tone of the discourse three weeks out from the season, there's a lot of frustration. Mm. Um, like I'm sure Danny Townsend's the APL's chief executive. It feels like he's getting tagged, you know, with <laughs> by people with complaints every day. Like, I mean, I think the latest flashpoint has been the prices of tickets for Sydney FC, mm. Sydney FC games. Yeah. Well, especially he... the opening game, I think was yeah. the issue. The big blue was kind of the yep. issue. And and then, which look again, I'm very much of the subscriber of 20 is plenty. And yep. once you fill your stadium, then you can start upping the prices. Once yep. you are a ticket is in demand. Now I'm sure Sydney FC are looking at it going, this is the first game of the season. Everyone's going to want to be there. It's the start of our new stadium. The nanny it's debut. A, it's the nanny debut. It's against Melbourne victory. Let's squeeze it for Frank Drescher lining up for Melbourne victory. <laughs> Um, let's, you know, let's squeeze it for what everything we can get for it. Cause probably their budgets are low and, you know, they've lost a lot of money over the past few years. So look, I understand why they're doing it. I don't like it. Uh, I think the best marketing campaign you could have, like the best marketing campaign you could have is for that first game to be amazing. If everyone like, paid, tw- yeah. if everyone paid $20 and that stadium sold out and there was like, so when that stadium got launched uh, a few weeks ago, it was the Sydney Roosters, um, the South Sydney Rabbitohs. That game never sells out. As much as they want to say this is one of the great rivalries in NRL and blah, 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 that game never, ever, ever sells out regular season. We're not talking about grand final or whatever. It never sells out. But suddenly that game sold out because everyone wanted to go to the first game. And suddenly I had even people asking me if they if I could get them a ticket um, to the NRL game, which I was like, are you serious? I didn't like of all the people to ask now, you know, I know I work at channel nine and you know, sometimes they do have them available, but it was really interesting to me. And it became, even I became even interested because suddenly people were asking me and I was like, Oh, maybe I should just check this game out. And really I was watching for the stadium, but you know, it was an epic night. And I think everyone who went to that stadium on that night, they seemed to want to go back. And that's the key thing. You, you are selling tickets for the season. So if you have an amazing first game and you announce and then suddenly you know the media starts to pick up on it and suddenly you know the afl season's finished the nrl season's finished then you can launch your you know advertising campaign and just show the, i think someone put up a a tweet which are like the best advertising campaign would be showing that shot of i think it's melbourne victory against melbourne city in the derby and it's you know it's oh, shot. all the in unison yeah. of all the victory fans standing up yeah yeah and basically and i think it's d'agostino running on a counter-attack or whatever the ball goes in you know, the camera pans out to see like, that full stand, limbs everywhere. Tell me that doesn't get you excited. Tell me you don't want to be a part of that. Tell me you don't want to go, you know, mum, dad, take me to that. That's what I want to go see. That looks incredible. Yeah, that's what I think. Like, like we need to make the product somewhat good, <laughs> you know, and then the advertising can start. Then you can sell something good. Okay, yeah, it makes sense. Whatever you, you know, I think someone I made a joke I, around about here about Yoshi. Yeah, what did that do? You know, all this money that was spent on advertising. Was that a Fox thing or an A-Leaks thing? I don't know. It doesn't matter. It got got forgotten. It didn't. It hasn't been forgotten, but it's more a meme these days than an actual fan thing. I mean, I agree with you completely. I mean, I've seen some talk around, well, the A-Leaks is a premium league, so you charge premium prices. It doesn't feel, Mm. you know, like premium. 
It does. It's not premium. Let's be honest. I mean, it's it is. It's a fully professional league. It gets decent crowds. I think I recently saw some statistics. Like, I mean, pre-COVID, like mm. it had like the 12th or 13th largest average crowd size in the world. Yeah. Yeah. But it didn't feel, it doesn't feel like a premium product yet. And it, you can charge premium prices, but if the punter isn't buying it, yeah. Like you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. And I mean, yeah, you're right. I can see the reasons why Sydney might want to do this. I can see the reason see the reasons why any club might set the prices the way that they do. Um, I disagree. Like, yeah, yeah, I think like somebody's and I'm sure it's significantly, significantly more complicated this but this, but I don't know, is it laser? L A Z A eleven eleven uh LAZA11 in the comments. Laza Onset. Yeah. Uh, 30,000 at 15 bucks versus 9K at 30 bucks. I have no doubt it's significantly more complicated than that, much more complicated than that. For all I know, it's not feasible, but it sounds good to mm. me. Um, well, you know, the, like... other, the other thing that I think, I think I saw an explanation, I think it was from CDFC CEO. And then sorry if I'm misquoting him here, but I believe. Is it a tweet? On... I'll look it up. I think it was a tweet that he put out, um, but I believe, or maybe it wasn't him, but there was someone was saying that one of the reasons for the increased price is because there needs to be an increased police presence because, I don't know, Sydney versus Melbourne victory is viewed as a, a game where you need extra police on hand or whatever. Now, I'm always a bit confused about who gets, who has to decide how much police and security is needed at a game. Because I have always found these big A-League games, you know, your Sydney Derby, your Big Blue, way too many police. Oh, I, it, like, it kills the atmosphere, Dad. Kill, it kills the atmosphere. And it's like, how, sorry, the A-League clubs are paying for this many police. Why can't um, the police say, uh, and Stephen Pletty He's saying in the chat, uh, I think it was me who put that one out, Nick, so what on to you, Stephen. Um, why can't, like, why do we need so many police there? Especially, like, if, if the LA Cops oh, are choosing it. We can, we can, we could devote a five to ten hour podcast on the ingrained, historically racist and prejudiced attitudes that still permeate Australian society surrounding a sport that's largely seen as ethnic and like mm. the project put out a tweet how long ago talking and you thought Zogger hooligans were bad. It's just for some reason it's an ingrained part of mainstream culture, this bullshit about hooligans and violence mm. and race riots and all of that, despite the fact that, you know, isn't it year in and year out the Boxing Day test produces more arrests? The first oh, day of the Boxing Day test produces more arrests than in an entire A-League season. But, mm. but uh, so this is kind of where I'm a little bit confused because Stephen explains clubs APL have no say in the matter, okay? Didn't Danny uh, Townsend said club? Oh, for the police thing. Yeah, th they don't. And that's what I'm saying. They, they don't, don't have a say. say in that matter. And it comes back to the ingrained. So the um, police decide how many of them. And then they turn make. Up. And then they make the clubs pay for it. I don't understand. How is that legal? How is that legal? How, like, how, how can that happen? Because if I'm the police, I say you need a million police officers and you have to pay $10 million a game. Like, obviously, I want, I want to get everyone paid. Like, this is, this is ridiculous. I don't know. They're, at this point, like, politicians, police ministers, like, let's not a lot them. of votes in courting the soccer demographic, Nick. 
Maybe, but uh, Lazar Laza Onse, Lazar 11 says, if police decide they need extra people, it's on them. Absolute scam. It is an absolute scam. Like, and again, like you say, it kills the atmosphere. And it, you know. We saw it at the Matildas a... game in Sydney. Like the security was shutting down Matildas fans trying to stand up and shout and sing. It's a disgrace. It's an absolute disgrace, as Didier uh, uh, Drogba would ha- say. One does have to, well, I was about to say one does have to give credit. One does have to note that the APL have continuously said they're in communications with police and um, security guards and all of that sort of stuff to try to educate them, educate them. Maybe there's been a small few wins, Mm. but that's like a big test for them coming up. I think, I mean, to be honest, I think the, um, the mood amongst fans can be summed up by Nathan Jones, no oh, word yes. if he's the Colossus of Bogo Road. Um, but Nathan Jones responds to our announcement tweet. Simple question. What the F does the APL actually do? Ticket prices, quote, um, quote, not our problem, end quote. Paramount issues, quote, blame Paramount, end quote. Marquee signings, quote, nanny, that's it, end quote. Advertising, quote, what's that, end quote. I've never felt less hyped for a season in a long time in brackets for the league as a whole. Oh, you've got it up on the screen. Oh, that's a podcast, so I probably should have read it out anyway. Um, but Good job. Good hosting. I think, I, I, I think that sort of sums up the mood. Yeah, but is that fair? You know, like ticket price is not our problem. Doesn't, well, well, I'll just say, though, Nick, probably do, it doesn't matter yeah, if it's fair. If, if, that's what you're, if that's what you're paying if, customers saying. I think, yeah. Yeah, you've either got mm. to do one of two things. If it's... If it's accurate, you've got to fix it. Yeah. If it's not accurate, you've got to educate them. Yeah. So, and and I guess this is also the other thing. If like Danny Townsend is your only spokesperson and he comes out sporadically and responds to some of this stuff, do you have... He's not the, like, he's not the only... The problem is the football media in this country is so small no, no. and it's almost impossible to get stories up that a lot of no. these... You know, a lot of these questions don't go asked. Like I tried to ask the marquee story, write that up, but Paramount issues, you follow that up every now and again, but you just don't have scope to write, like especially if you're a freelancer like me. They're just, you're not going to get commissioned to write an update on Paramount every two or three weeks and keep the pressure on. And this is a little bit the problem with Australian I mean, you can ask the question, but you got nowhere to put it. The Australian football media is shrinking. And on top of that, like, you know, I thought it was bad, obviously, when, you know, the world game shut down and Fox Sports football seemed to no longer take an interest uh, in domestic football, unless it was kind of like for a clickbaity viral story. But, you know, and, and you can probably talk to this as much as anyone, but I know like newspapers and websites, general newspapers and general websites are decreasing the amount of A-League content. Uh, they want Australian football content is kind of just becoming the national teams and the big issues when they pop up, but your week to week coverage, you know, it's becoming harder than ever to, to it get is. stories up. And, and I'm not going to name names, but it's going to shrink yeah. more. Yeah. Like I've been sending out emails ahead of the A-League season. It's going to shrink more yeah. heading into this season, which sucks for me because it's also going to shrink my uh, income. But yeah. I mean, one of the smartest things I think the A-Leagues has actually done is they subscribe to AAP, the Australian Associated Press, which mm. guarantees the presence of the Australian Associated Press um, at A-League's matches, yeah. men's and women's, 
guarantees at least one write-up before games and coverage at press conferences. So there's at least that news there yeah. that's getting out. But, of course, at the same time, you're into the problem that News Corp doesn't subscribe to the Australian Associated Press. Uh, the nine newspapers recently did. However, rather disgracefully, one of their executives just flat out admitted they were doing it as potential strike a strike-busting action. And now that industrial action has seemingly been resolved. So the future of the nine newspapers subscription to the Australian Associated Press is very iffy. Maybe they keep it on because when we've seen the nine newspapers, pretty much it's just Vince Regari on his own holding down the fort now. And even Vince has to can't cover the A-Leagues week in and week out. So maybe they keep AAP just to run stories, but they don't put up everything. Mm. Like the age right now, like the age is still subscribed to AAP right now. They didn't take my match report on MacArthur versus Oakley Cannons for AAP. They took the story on the 13-year-old goalkeeper. (laughs) But that sort of gives you an indication of the appetite for football coverage. Even though they were subscribed to AAP, they still didn't bother to put it up. So... Yeah, it's it's like football, problem. Australian football is becoming like a more like human interest category. And yeah. yeah, we'll talk about it when there's some kind of story that we can get our teeth around. But the general, you know, matches and actual football being played, not of huge uh, interest. Which is a shame because that's how I think you get, mm. you transition like people into casual watches to like, like it, it's it's like things. Well, the unfortunate thing is Australia, the A leagues. I don't think have like an official dream team or fantasy football thing. Yeah, but that's like a really good thing. Like, like if you get people like wanting to find out and reading, like invested to the to the point where um, who got a message? Was that you or me? That was me. Which that was account? Me. <laughs> Somebody's messaged you. Um, if you get to the point where you want people invested to the point where they are going up and reading the ins and outs. And who's in, who's out, what are the coaches saying? I mean, the AFL have somehow managed to turn the teams coming in on Thursday into an event in and of itself and that sort of stuff. And you would like, if there was fantasy sports, you want people like always checking in. Um, so, yeah. Here's what I just say. I, I did just get a message uh, from someone who watches the show uh, oh. and I, and I believe he's watching right now. So if they want me to read out the comment that they just sent in, let me know. And I will. Uh, Could you read it also, out anonymously? No, I don't. Well, they can decide. Let us know. Let me know if you're ready. Cause it was, it was an interesting uh, explanation that they just gave, but just quickly on this um, tweet, uh, run them memes. So everything is no one's fault and it's all too hard. Fold the sport in Australia. No, it's absolutely people's fault. Mm, yeah, um, we we can go back and look at the years of wasted potential and missteps and stupid yeah. decisions. I mean, that list of fans appearing on the back page, the hooligan fans and FA washing their hands of it and not supporting their own supporters. I mean, Massive wasn't there an huge? Play. Wasn't there an entire book uh, written by um, the uh, something, the life and death? No, the death and life. Yeah, I don't know. Like it, it it's. There are books about the years and years of systemic mistakes uh, that have been made in the Australian football. Um, just on this, like ticket price is not our problem. Uh, I kind of think it's a little unfair. I feel like they've tried to communicate. Um, At the same so, time, like they're saying it's a club issue. 
Yeah. Sort of does ring hollow when what is the APL? It's a collective of clubs. Club. That's it. That's it. And, you know, and it varies depending on each club. Like, you know, I know MacArthur had issues last season. I'm not sure what their ticket structure is. Um, from memory, Western City Wanderers, the memberships were at least very affordable. Um, Mariners, you know, I know they weren't getting biggest crowds, but they did have some cheaper options. I think same with the Jets. Uh, Brisbane Royal, I'm not sure. The problem was that they were playing, you know, basically a different city. Uh, it was so far away. Victory City, you'd probably know better than me, Joey, about, you know, the ticket prices and, and how appropriate uh, they were. So I don't know about that. Uh, Paramount issues, blame Paramount. I mean, he's kind of right. I mean, look, the, like the APL can't do anything about Paramount's issues. They seem to have the issues across not just football, across their whole application. So that, that's the first thing. The second thing about that is the, what they could have done is have a clause in the contract that if you don't have the streaming service up to a certain level, then we can pull out of the contract. Now, the problem is that probably there's not enough people. The A-League isn't a hot enough property that if you pull out of the contract that you're going to find someone who's going to find Nobody's paying as much as what 10 Paramount offered. So as bad as, you know, the user experience is, and I really hope they do improve it uh, this year, you know, I, I, there's a reason that they're not pulling out of that contract. Marquee signings, none of that's it. I mean, to be fair to the APL, they have tried to get other players. I don't know, you know, if they went about it in the right ways. I don't know, you know, what they could have done and, and what money and what players they were necessarily targeting. But, you know, as you said, Joey, Cesc Fabregas did have a, you know, in-word agreement uh, with um, MacArthur to come out here. Uh other players, I believe, were contacted. And for whatever reason, they don't want to come out here. You know, internationally, Australia hasn't had the best reputation in the last few years as well, rightly or wrongly. Uh, you know, I was overseas recently and it was interesting what people were kind of saying about Australia. It's not viewed as the paradise that it once was. Um, yeah. So, uh, and, and also like, you know, we talk about, oh, you can have an amazing life. You know, if you come out here, the lifestyle. If you're great. a rich footballer, you can have an amazing life everywhere. Yeah, pretty much. Like, Cesc Fabregas going to have a pretty good life in Lake Coma. You know, these the players who go to, you know, Galatasaray or whatever, they're going to have pretty good lives. Yeah, they're going to be mobbed on the street and they would have more anonymity here and, and you know, maybe their yeah, families. But it's, it's not like, like they're living in the lower class areas of Istanbul or something like that. A thousand percent. And, and on, on top of that, a lot of these players they like being in front of big crowds and big fans and you know you go play from Galatasaray you're gonna get that so maybe that's something that we need to look at making our league more enticing uh, for that advertising what's that okay we just uh, mentioned advertising I've never felt less hyped for a season in a long time I, I get it I mean I, I get why people aren't hyped but I think there are reasons to be there are excited. reasons I think if I could use one of the lines I had when I was writing about Tony Gustafsson yeah. There's a whole bunch of reasonable explanations for all of this, for all of this. I think what, you know, certainly for the general punter, I, you know, I can feel that they're, they're getting a bit tired of all the perfectly reasonable explanations. They're at the point where they don't want explanations anymore. And they want solutions type of thing. And mm. as I said, it, it, the problem the problem isn't if you have reasonable explanation the problem you know isn't that if your paying clientele feel a certain mm. way yeah it doesn't matter what perfectly reasonable solution is it doesn't matter 
you know, what challenges you're facing behind the scenes and you can't talk about. Like, I'm certain, like, take this recent TV deal, for example. I am certain the APL behind the scenes were banging their head against a brick wall and trying to make the best of a situation. They can't come out and say that against their own broadcast partner. Mm. But public doesn't care about that. And they don't have to care about that. And they're not obligated. Well, no. the thi- they, I'll say this: no, nothing, nobody, no entity, AFL, NRL, A leagues, Marvel movies, Star Wars movies, museums, art galleries, whatever the hell you want, any form of entertainment, none of them are entitled to anybody's money. Mm. You have to earn them. Um, I've been given permission to read up. Uh, explanation. Honestly, or are we going to share who it is? Uh, I don't know. They they didn't specify, so maybe I'll just I'll do just... it anonymously then, and they can do it. yell out if they want it to be shared publicly. Yeah, basically, basically. do it, you coward. Uh, Let us share your name. <laughs> police. This is the explanation about police costs. Police costs could vary from five thousand dollars to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, depending on the risk profile of the match. One hundred fifty thousand dollars for one match. Um, security and ushers are based on predictive crowd numbers, so are also a variable cost. Uh, that was the exact quote I got from Danny Townsend last year on costings. Was told was later told somewhere else also, that it's, it's the police. It's the police. Let us read out your name then. (laughs) It's the police who decide the numbers and send the clubs the bill. I hope that clarifies things. Love the show as always. Thanks and success. Great. First of all, great way to start. It's definitely one of your mates if they're signing off with. But there we go. That gets back to the the ingrained hostility towards football in this country. Mm. The people that traditionally consume football and the needs, the desperate need for. Football Australia, because it's not just an APL problem. These, this happens in international matches as well. And it behooves Football Australia to do this on behalf of the constituency it represents. The APL, state federations, mm. um, everybody, you know, in a role of authority, it behooves them to address these issues, to get on the front foot, not just totally. throw up their hands and say, police, name it. Which, and has to be credit, like every time I ask... Danny Townsend about this. He talks about how it's disgraceful and they need to do stuff. And at the same time, if the punters aren't seeing the fruits of that labor, yeah, they're not g- going to give a toss what happens behind the scenes. And I think the APL would acknowledge that totally. as well. And and also, it's just like, it's just a waste of it's police, a waste of police resources. Yeah, 100%. Like, you know, what's... What's happening on those nights? What's crimes are happening that they could actually prevent? Like, I remember going to a Sydney Derby once. So basically like, what you're saying, if, if, if you're a cat burglar, wait yeah. until the Sydney Derby because all the cops will be at the Sydney Derby and then you can just burgle houses all you want. TNC I, tip. I remember going to Sydney Derby. Probably there's like 10,000 people at this Sydney Derby. It was um down in Jubilee Stadium uh, down in South Sydney. There was maybe like, 11 checkpoints or something of police. Like, you know, they just walls of police as you walked from the station um, to the stadium. It was ridiculous. I've entered countries with less security. Um, it just, it, and yeah, like you're right. It just killed the mood. It antagonizes, you know, the RBB and the Cove and all that. And uh, it's just horrible. So I, I just don't understand. There should be just laws around. Okay. If you have an event with 5,000 people, you need X amount of police there. And but that doesn't matter what the event is. It's just going to be 5,000 people. If you have an event with 50,000 people, there needs to be X amount of police present. That's fine. But that should be the case for AFL, NRL, cricket, whatever. 
Right? I, it just to me, it just seems insane that, you know, you can say, oh, it's a Sydney derby. So therefore, you know, every police in Sydney has to be at the game. It just annoys me to no end. And yeah, I really do wish the, the clubs would stand up. Um, Lazar 11 says clubs should just not pay. I, I do love that revolutionary idea of just saying, well, what are you going to do? But I would imagine it's not the best. Uh, I mean, a bloke became have... US president operating on those principles. So it could yeah, work. That's true. I, I just imagine it's not the best idea to not pay um, the, police the police to be, to be in debt with the police. I feel like, you know, as much as I like it, as much as I think, yeah, this would be, you know, I do like chaos. Um, yeah. I think that inevitably it wouldn't be, uh, great. Um, let's move well, on. Ultimately, because... then, Nick, how are you yeah. feeling? Are you excited? Three weeks out. Ooh, uh, yes. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, maybe I'm excited because of my own personal circumstances of, you know, Sydney FC. They've got a new stadium. It's very close to my house. It's been a while since Sydney FC have played very close to my house. So that I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for for the Sydney so FC. So kick-ons at yours after all the games. You, me, and all, our, all the comments section. A thousand percent. Uh, pre's and kick-ons. And, and, and I'm excited, you know, because for our show. I mean, we've been doing this show for months and we haven't had an A-League game to talk about since I think May. Um, and we've been coming to you every Sunday night. I, I, I'm excited. Yeah, you know, remember I'm, that. Remember that during the A-League season. All these podcasts want your <laughs> listens. Who had the ticket to keep going during the off-season? I'm, I'm excited, you know, for Nani at uh, Melbourne Victory. I'm excited to see how they develop. I'm excited, like we talked about before. I think the Carthro are going to be better. Um, you know, I really, really want the Wanderers uh, to be better this season. Uh, you know, whether that happens or not, I, I would... To me, we've never actually had a season where Sydney FC, Victory and... Um, Wanderers have been good and that to me would be a really interesting moment the three biggest fan bases um, look I haven't got much hope for Brisbane Raw but let, let's see what happens there I haven't got much hope for Perth Glory either let's see what happens there Adelaide United you know is always potential uh, to be interesting Melbourne City you know is always going to be strong so I am excited for the league but defending I champions am... western united oh yeah, western united I, even <laughs> forgot. I actually forgot about them all right shout out john aloisi one of the nicest guys in australian football um it's gonna be interesting to see what happens uh with western united the forgotten champions <laughs> of the a-league um but yeah look i'm excited and A-League women's we got expanded a-league women's competition yeah chloe like... lagazzo's coming back a couple of other matildas potentially coming back Look, moving towards professionalism. And this... as, I, as I've said previously, where we want Australian football to go is basically where it is everywhere else in the world, right? We're like, I don't know why we waste time in getting there. Eventually, that's where it's going to be. Eventually, we're going to be playing in winter. There's going to be promotion and relegation. There's going to be 38 games. There's going to be 20. Like, it's going to happen, all right? Like, let's just get there. But we, 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 we you know, fart us around and we do whatever we do. But I would just say that what I think how we get there is a lot of small steps in the right direction. And I think, you know, for example, some of these changes uh, expanding, you know, A-League women's, that's a small step in this direction. Just, we just got to keep making those small steps. And as we're doing that, not make any big steps backwards, you know, <laughs> because we've done a few of those. So that, that's what I think. I think the soccer is qualifying for the World Cup. It's a nice Women's World Cup on the way. Women's World Cup. That's actually a giant step in the right yeah. direction, right? Junior yeah. international teams getting back into light. So we might see the pathway getting fixed a bit more. Let, let's talk about that because that is uh, our next topic. You talk about this because this, this is your topic and I'll just react. Hit, hit the people with what they need to know. Well, it, it's been an interesting time. Well, first we'll get to 
Um, the young, no, sorry, we'll get to the young Socceroos. Well, first, they're um, back in AFC qualifying. Initially, they had to withdraw from um, the qualifying campaign because it was going to be in, I think it was Basra, Iraq. Um, so that was disappointing. However, perhaps my football Australia had forward warning of this recent events in Iraq um uh, have made it impossible to stage the games in Iraq so they've been delayed and they've been moved so the young Socceroos are back in um Asian qualifying and what's even better because they've been delayed they that means they also don't have to cancel their little friendly tournaments that they organize so the young Socceroos will be in Spain Maybe soaking up some of that goal rush atmosphere that you talked about. Um, Nick Stoll, they're going to be in Spain. They're going to play against uh, Morocco, Chile, and England um, in a series of friendlies. So that's going to be very fun. The squad was recently announced. Some familiar names, Rafael Borges Rodriguez, Yaya Dukuli, Archie Goodwin, Alessandro Lapane, um, Paul Ocon. Uh, Paul Ocon's kid is in there. Um, um like Senior on Stan Sport FC tomorrow. Uh, talking Club Bruges. Is this, but just quickly on Paul Ocon, he's the assistant Club Bruges. I don't know how many people know this. Club Bruges killing he's it in killing the Champions it. League. They just yeah. won four nil uh, away to Porto, which is an incredible thing. They're on six points to play Atletico Madrid in their next two games. Uh, so that would be difficult. You know, Paul Ocon's one of those guys who was doing okay uh, in Australia coaching, you know, had, had improved the Mariners from where he'd taken over them, had, had worked with the young Socceroos, um, for example, and then moved to Europe, I think, because his son was a very talented footballer and he wanted to get him in that system over there, which as someone who was working in the system, maybe isn't the, the great vote of confidence to the Australian development path. Um, they thought the best chance for his son was to move straight to Europe. But look, he also had that option. Not everyone has that option. Um, but, you know, great to see uh, Paul Ocon doing well um, in Belgium. And great to see his kid playing for Benfica. Or, well, Benfica under 19s, at least. Well, on the subject of Holden, we're talking about junior pathways and junior run the memes has the comment, wake me up one steps taken to reduce kids' radios. Yeah. Can't have you with, out with everything, but I've just checked my national second division copy and this didn't make it in. So I'm going to drop a TNC exclusive. I did we should ask, ask sound effects for this. I did ask James Johnson about junior fees and the national second division. Would steps be taken to ensure that registration fees wouldn't be increased? Um, but to fund teams' entrance into the national second division. And his quote was, there will not be an increase in registration fees if that's what it takes for clubs to enter a second tier. Our clubs need to develop business models. They need to go through business transformation where they have different and a broad range of revenue streams from broadcast money to sponsorship to commercial revenue and also revenue through the player transfer system that we're introducing. It is not going to be an increase to registration fees. We will make sure of that. Yeah. That sounds like a guarantee that Football Australia won't let registration fees be increased to pay for the National Second Division. That's good. That is actually a very good thing to hear, I think. And and run their matches right. Just, yeah. They massively need to reduce registration fees, especially like it's weird as well because, you know, inflation, cost of living is rising. Will people, you know, they're already like it seems like it was difficult for a lot of people to afford to 
play for a lot of these teams. Mm. Also, Ron the Meme said, it's said in their copy that I made. That was in the AAFC's report. Um, the AAFC have zero actual power over the introduction of the National Second Division. They're basically a lobby group. They don't actually have any say to dictate anything. Like they're an association of NPL clubs. They've got no power in Football Australia. Mm. Like it's there. The, what that was in that report was advice and information and suggestions, not yeah. actual policy. Um, back on the young Socceroos, mm. uh, just quickly, where, what are you looking forward to about these upcoming games? Who are you looking out for? Um, well, to be honest, I'm looking forward to that. We've also got the Joeys coming up. They've got a training camp um, happening in Melbourne before they play uh, under-17 qualifiers in Shepparton, I believe, wow. actually. So wow. they'll be hosting group stage games. Um, <laughs> give me a call for get... Australia if you need a caller for that. Is um, that to get every qual involved? <laughs> every um, but what I'm what I'm looking forward to seeing is just junior sides waking up the junior national team programs again. Mm. Like I was recently doing a bit of research for some work about O five borns who have sort of been like smack bang in the middle of the COVID shutdown of junior football. I think we've had three O five borns log A League minutes, A League men minutes which isn't ideal. Um, so admittedly, that means they're only 17, 16, 17, but still. So it's just great to see more opportunities for kids to play again, get regular minutes. Might be an accidental boon, but it's still a boon nonetheless that the Young Socceroos will get to play this tournament and qualifiers. Now we're just waiting for um, Wiley to get sorted out and we can fix the pathways again. Hmm. You know, just looking at that squad, interesting, uh, Mohamed Torre. Uh, oh, Torre. Yeah, and uh, I'm just looking at, so he's playing in France for... Stade de Reims, St- alongside Yaya de Cooley. Stade Rem B, but, um, you know, and that's, look, the Championnat National 2 Group A B um, doesn't strike me as the, you know, strongest league uh, in France. Um, but, you know, two goals in four games, that, that's promising. But, there's a lot of promising players uh, in that team. A lot, of, a lot of players, you know, uh, Skegicic, who we saw uh, playing for Sydney FC uh, in the cup. thought he was pretty good of uh, what we saw. I've heard, good things about, sorry, I've heard good things about Jack Warshawski, the kid from Western Sydney Wanderers, the goalkeeper. Yeah, okay. That's, I mean, well, that's what Australian football needs. Another great goalkeeper. You know, <laughs> the only thing we ever produce, guaranteed. Because of all the Sharons and the Stems. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's it. Um, look, let's kind of quickly wrap up. Uh, and this is the time to get your questions in. But NPL rap. Um, what do people know about the NPL rap, Joey? NPLW New South Wales grand final uh, was today. And it is the MacArthur Rams that are now the champions of um, the New South Wales NPL women's competition, triumphing, I think, 6-5 in a penalty shootout, beating the Northern Tigers. Um, From what I was able to tell from watching along, it was the Rams doing most of the attacking and the, um, well, making a go of it. It was really just for the Northern Tigers. Morgan Aquino, goalkeeper, Last on the books of Perth Glory last season, really made a few really good saves to keep them into it. But sort of once um, the Rams started to run out of legs, 
it was somewhat obvious it was going to go to extra time and penalties at that point. Um, but in the run, in the end, the Rams, after having both of these sides having up, upset um, more highly fancied opposition in the semifinals, it is the Rams that emerge triumphant and as champions of NPL New South Wales. And like this is now me just hypothesizing zero evidence to back this up. Willing to bet that MacArthur FC will pull a Western United and just absorb a local NPLW side as the foundations of their women's team, where you've got the champions of New South Wales on your doorstep. Well, they didn't they do that for their youth team when they absorbed the Northbridge? Well, the thing, Northbridge wasn't exactly local to the West, no. Though. No, no, that's true. Um, all right. Well, actually, and uh, your mate, uh, Tony Gustafsson, was actually in attendance um, from what I saw. He was at the presentation. He was um, at the Victorian ones as well. Came up and shook my hand. So it's interesting. He seems to be really getting amongst the community. Um, after he went to an not, AFL game last week. Yeah, and uh, not even living uh, in Australia. And that was kind no, of, he one is of the criticisms. Oh, he's, he is he's living in Australia. Oh, okay, all right, cool. Australian housing affordability, it's keep, tough. You know, keep probably, up, Nick <laughs> probably, probably couldn't get in the market. Um, uh, yeah, he's living Paul. in a share house with four other students. <laughs> <laughs> it would actually be a great documentary. Um, Stephen Paletti says, uh, Rams absolutely slaughtered the Tigers. Rams unlikely not to win it in the 90 or 120. Deserved winners, in my opinion. Aquino deserved player of the match. Um, there you go. So, you know, Get your kind of questions in. Uh, I, I feel like we answered pretty much all of them. Joe, was there any questions that you saw that you wanted to answer before we kind of um, go? No, if we want to, you got 20 seconds um, <laughs> to get your questions in. No, I think I will say you thought this would be an espresso edition when you first put the, the running order in the chat. <laughs> I hoped. I hope they, I've actually. Um, I went out quite late on Friday night. I was out quite late last night. Um, ah, so was I. So, you know, I'm not feeling the best today. But uh, I'm, I'm proud of the job that me and you have done over the last two hours. And I'm proud of the commenters uh, and everything they've got in. Uh, you know, it does really make the show go. So it's really hard to see so many people interacting uh, with the show. Please like, subscribe, comment as always. Leave um, us a review. Help yeah. boost our profile in the... Uh, homepages of Spotify and Apple. Maybe it's nice to sign off with this. Nicholas Webster via Facebook says, uh, sorry, via YouTube says, really appreciate you guys doing uh, through the off season. Love heart. Yeah, you know. What? Geraldo's left a comment. There's been a GTA 6 footage leak. Look, Geraldo, all right, we don't talk about wrestling. We don't talk about AFL and we don't talk about GTA 6, especially because you want to know a true story about GTA 5? All right, so... GTA 5, GTA 5, was that the one? That was the last one to come out, right? And it yeah, that was the one ago. with the three different protagonists oh, set so in, um, yeah, Los Santos. When I, was a, when I was a teenager, I played a lot of um, GTA San Andreas. Just played it all the time, you know, did the, did the missions like, I don't know, seven times over, beat the game constantly, just was obsessed with that game, right? Anyway, so... I think by the end of high school, I'd gotten rid of all my gaming and I'd just given it all up because it was kind of a waste of, I found it was a waste of my time, basically. Then GTA 5 comes out and like my head is just like, oh, I've got to play this. You know, I haven't played games for years. So I bought an Xbox. Uh, I was living in a share house at the time. We played GTA 5 
And one night I remember getting home at about 9 p.m. And my housemate was playing it. And I was like, oh, I'll just do one mission before I go to bed. And then, you know, I started playing and then I just did one more mission and one more mission and one more mission and one more mission. And my housemate got up at 10 a.m. the next day. And he's like, what, did you get up early to uh, play the game? And I was like, I haven't been asleep. And I didn't have any coffee. I didn't have any other stimulants. I just ended up playing this GTA game. It was so addictive until like a 13-hour binge. And then basically as soon as he took the controller off my hand and I was so close to finishing the whole thing, I apparently just fell asleep nearly immediately. And from then on, I thought, "Mm, these games are dangerous. These games are dangerously addictive. So... I would say if anyone thinking of purchasing GTA 6, be careful. Think about how dangerously addictive this is. I, I will try and avoid it. Isn't that the football manager problem? Yeah, it's also why I try and avoid football manager. Also, because I started playing it in lockdown and my partner Freya absolutely blasted me for answering football manager emails, but not actually answering my work <laughs> emails, which to be honest, was fair enough. Like, I mean... <laughs> You know, once we shut down this show, I'm going to play Total War Warhammer 3. So I don't even, I wouldn't understand the first two. Um, I am trying to rid uh, Talea from, of the Skaven uh, at the helm of Fair Bretonia. Are they a Serie B club? I don't understand what this is. I just finished off my uh, Vlad campaign in which I made best friends with the Empire and then through Chaos, wiped the map of Chaos. Empire. Okay. that's enough that's enough for this show uh i don't need to hear any more about joey's gaming um thank you so much for tuning in tune in next week uh and you know hopefully get excited for the a-league season because we'll be coming to you every sunday night during it have a good show joey thanks for joining me thanks and success hold on i'm I'm trying to keep keep padding i'm looking for the closing all right thanks thanks success we love you all